Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network as we continue on with Anniversary Month 2020. We are into week two and every single year we choose four movies that are celebrating an anniversary of some point. And one of those movies is generally a movie that Colin and I don't want to do, but we think, fuck it. Let's do a movie that isn't our target demographic. This has brought us great hits in the past as Dirty Dancing, as The Notebook, as I think we did another one, but I can't remember Titanic. what it was. Titanic. Well, that's a good movie. No, that doesn't fall into that category. No, it isn't. <laughs> Shut up, Colin. No one cares about your opinion. You're going to call Ghost a good movie in a minute. Uh, but, yes, we, we hit it a Ghost, the 1990 romantic slash horror slash comedy slash thriller slash very dated slash Patrick Swayze isn't attractive, but apparently everyone thought he was in 1990, even though he looked like he's 80 slash Movie slash Demi Moore short hair slash that guy from Tomorrow Never Dies that we didn't realize was in other things <laughs> slash Wall Street slash lots of things movie. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg's in there too. She won an Oscar for this. Uh, it is Ghost, and there's a lot to unpack in this movie. <laughs> I'm very excited, weirdly, to talk about this because these are usually the fun episodes. My name is. Henry the Eighth, I am. I'm Henry oh. the Eighth, I am. I'm Henry the Eighth. I'm Henry the Eighth. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. Second verse. Second verse. Henry the Eighth, I am. I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. I'm Henry the Eighth. I'm Henry the Eighth. I'm Henry, and I'm also white. You know the one benefit of hosting the episode. <laughs> so just screw it. I'm Colin the first. I am Colin the first. I am. I am second verse. Him is the first. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for adding that bit at the end because I feel at the time we're recording is probably not the most appropriate line to say. But there is a line. There's like the whole section there with Whoopi Goldberg, which is like, "Oh, you're white, aren't you?" Like it. It's funny in the movie. Let's pretend we're in 1990, people. Um, casual racism was more accepted, and it's racism against our own people. All right, our own color. All right, great start, Ben. Uh, Ghost, 1990. (laughs) What do you mean, our people? Our people, podcast hosts. (laughs) Um, Oh, gotcha. The race. But yes, Ghost, here we are. Um, You know, it's funny because... You go, I go into a movie like this expecting it to be a notebook, expecting it to be a dirty dance. I mean, it's Patrick Swayze. We don't have a very good track record with Patrick Swayze on this show. <laughs> um, but I don't like, I honestly don't know what to say because I'll be honest, I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love this movie. This movie's odd. Mm. Um, it's got some good moments. It's got a good, I think, idea behind it, and it's quite interesting. But there are also definitely parts of this movie where I was really zoning into dirty dancing territory. But then there was <laughs> definitely moments where I'm kind of like, oh, this isn't too bad. So, yeah, I, I, this, I'll be honest, I don't know what I'm going to do with this movie at the end of it. But I am looking forward to talking about this one, Colin Hilding. Ghost, uh, your initial thoughts. <laughs> well, I mean, I mentioned at the end of the last episode that you know, I am sure I've seen this movie. Although I don't think I ever willingly sat down and watched all the way through because it was everybody's mom's movie or <laughs> sister's movie or something like that. And there were moments of this where I'm like, oh, I definitely remember this. And there were other moments where I'm like, well, this is different than I remembered because I think that this movie has taken on a reputation that it really doesn't deserve. I don't mean like reputations and, oh, it's a great movie or it's a bad movie, just a reputation of being this, you know, romantic chick flick 
where that's such a small part of the movie and, and where it is in there feels very unbalanced. Like this movie is kind of like you rattle off at the beginning. It's like four or five genres in one. And there doesn't seem to be clear transitions when they have a scene that's comedy and they have a scene that's, you know, uh, sexual tension. And then they have a scene that's the horror. It's just, it's, it's such an odd mix. And, and it really does date the movie. I think I can definitely see how at the time this really took over the world. I mean, this is you know second to only home alone, the highest grossing film of that year. But I don't know. It's just it's I'm I'm kind of with you. It's so unusual. And it's funny. There's going to be a lot of scenes where I'm like, wow, this was different because I think I remembered this more so because of the reputation this movie has. I remember this as being more of a chick flick than it really is. And I don't know if I would have liked it better or worse if it was that. It's it's just it's so unusual. But I, I think the weird imbalance with this movie comes down to the director who we didn't even realize I yeah. think we recorded the last episode from the esteemed director of the Kentucky Fried movie, <laughs> Top Secret, The Naked Gun, and Airplane, the movie, the movie we're, we're going to be covering next week. <laughs> yeah. You have the most comedy director you could get doing a weird melodrama. It's just I, I, I've i got a lot of theories on this movie where I think this movie was – very tinkered with in post-production, but it'll be, it'll be fun to kind of dissect it. Cause again, I, I don't know what I would do with this movie. It's not unenjoyable. There are moments that are great in this. There's also moments where you're like, what is this? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of say Jerry Zucker, the director, I just want to put this on the record right now that I hope this can happen next year for anniversary month. He direct, he directed rat race, which will be 20 years next mm-hmm. year. Can we do rat race next year in anniversary month? Love Rat Race. I, I haven't love seen Rat it Race a long too. time. Yeah, I love it. It's just one of those random and, and, movies with so many big name people in it that I feel should have been bigger than it was, but it's actually like a really good movie. Yeah, and I mean, I think as a producer, he he definitely has a little bit more of that serious side to him because you look at some of his producing credits, A Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves, Fair Game, a, a spy movie with Naomi Watts and Sean Penn. Um, but he seems like such a weird choice to direct this movie. And I think... In a, in, a, in a strange way, I think that he pulls off a lot of the things he shouldn't be able to pull off in here. And that's why I'm I'm very torn as to whether this is wrong director who didn't know what type of movie he wanted to make or in post-production studio saying we want more of this and more of this and it just doesn't mesh well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just it's such a we've done a few of these, haven't we? Kind of like, what is this movie trying to be? And <laughs> It's interesting, too. I'll talk about my fun little story about having seen this movie in just a sec. But I, I'm with you. I just assumed that this movie was just completely a, a chick flick, like just romance. All you ever see is the pottery scene and you hear Unchained Melody yeah. and even the poster, it's like it's them and they're white and like as in like really glow. <laughs> what am I doing? Very white. Jesus. So <laughs> many white people in this movie. Um, oh, I'm tired of it. God, let's go out and protest. No, like the, the poster, you look at it straight away and you're like, okay, this is like a, an erotic film almost. It's kind of Patrick Swayze yeah. and Demi Moore sort of macking it on and yeah, it's just, it's odd that it really isn't that romantic. I mean, it. I mean, okay, it is. I shouldn't say it's not. I'd honestly go out and select limb. scenes. Okay, well, here's a weird moment to admit straight away. The select scenes that we have more romantic than the Notebook. Can I just point that out? Yeah, I reckon I felt a little bit more of a churn in the stomach and a bit of a you know, oh, that's sweet than the Notebook, which was just dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone out there who thinks that's the most romantic movie of all time, but. 
Yeah, and but it's it's I actually went I watched the trailer. Like I went to YouTube before I watched this last night. And I'm like, I'm gonna watch the trailer. It's been a while. And I've seen I do remember seeing like other trailers for this in the past, but the trailer I watched basically sold this as like a thriller, like as in a, you know, oh, he's gonna find the murderer and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, okay, that's interesting. And that's not what I was thinking this movie was about. So I'm like, okay, this looks kind of good. I'm getting excited for this. And yeah, I think kind of it starts off well and definitely some good moments in it. But yeah. It's it's a very bipolary weird movie. And can I just say, mm-hmm. to me more, I thought she was a much bigger deal in this movie than she ultimately is. She's kind of just there. Yeah. And I I'm nothing well, Demi. I don't know what I feel about Demi more. I think I mentioned this last week that I <laughs> have only seen her in Charlie's Angels 2. Uh, so and I mean this is the biggest movie star in the early night. No- I mean, if you want to have the epitome of 1990 in life, you look at Ghost, Patrick Swayze, and Demi Moore. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the 90s in a nutshell, or the early 90s in a nutshell right there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, okay, I don't know if you want this. I don't know if you have anything to add on what I just said or I can go into this story. I'll, I'll leave the door open for go you, Colin. Go into your story. Okay, all right. Uh, so I'll Go into your story. I've, I've been very curious always. <laughs> I was three when this movie came out, right, three years old, and you have very select memories as a child, at that age, and I do vaguely remember this day, but my mother had a very good friend who, you know, once a week she would see, catch up with, all that sort of stuff, and they wanted to go to the movies. So myself, my sister, her name was Julie, and my mum all went to the movies, and this is when- Wait, 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 hold on. Your your sister's name was Julie? What? No, 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 no. My mum's friend is Julie. My sister's name is Lindsay. So let me clarify that. was. (laughs) Yeah. It's like- Now she's Bill. (laughs) (laughs) She transitioned recently. Uh, Be careful. Um, But, yeah, so we, we went to the movies, and I don't know what was on. Maybe this is something I should have researched where there were what kids' movies was out in the same point Ghost was on. But we went to try and go to see something and it was either sold out or it wasn't available. Something was up that we couldn't see whatever the kids' movie was that we wanted to see. So my mum and Julie were like, oh, but we really want to see Ghost and we're here. Oh, but we can't take the kids to that. It's not appropriate because my sister would have been seven and I was three. But they were just like, ah, screw it. They won't remember it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually saw Ghost in the Cinemas as a three-year-old, but absolutely correct. I do not remember it. (laughs) So, But I remember my mum would always tell that story as one of these things where it's like, oh, I was a really bad mother. And when, like, my son was three and my daughter was seven, I took them to see Ghost. And in all fairness, I mean, okay, probably not appropriate for a three-year-old, but I was thinking the pottery scene led to, like, some explicit sex scene with kilns and mushy pottery and stuff. But, God, I've seen more porn on Two and a Half Men in the picture in your freaking Skype profile <laughs> picture right now. So that that's my story. That I don't know if I oversold that or not. But, yeah, I've never even remotely bothered to try and watch this since. You know, two questions uh, or one question, one comment. So I'll start with the comment first. Uh, I... Can't confirm because you know most my most both of my parents are you know dead now. But uh, I remember my mom telling me years ago that the first movie I ever went because I remembered as a kid some re-release of Pinocchio and and not understanding what a movie theater was. So them trying to say we're gonna go watch Pinocchio, I'm like, oh, I know that movie. And they're like, it's going to be on a big screen. It's almost going to be like the characters are there. And me having nightmares the night before and crying, saying I didn't want to go because I was afraid 
that these characters were literally going to be there and I didn't want them to interact with me. <laughs> so I didn't understand what it was. I was probably maybe around the same age. So like, had you been to a movie prior to that? I don't think I had. Like, I like, I mean, I might have. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sure like as a baby or something like that, maybe they took me along. But I like, honestly, this is the first one that I, like, I, I don't, again, I don't remember seeing it, but I remember being at the cinema that day. You know, I had just very blurry memories of certain things, but I definitely remember being in the cinema building that day um, but I would probably say this might be the first movie I ever saw at the movies, unless you know my my dad can my dad wouldn't remember. My mum's no longer with us, but she would be the one who would remember this. She's like me; she has weird memories over things. But um, no, my dad, I'll say yes. <laughs> and along with that, uh, my mom had told me that when I was a baby, they went to some drive-in theater and. Uh, I, the release date doesn't match up. It wouldn't have been original release, so I'm guessing a re-release. But they said, technically, your first movie was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because we took you <laughs> when we went to a drive-in theater. Wow. It had to have been a re-release, or maybe it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 or something like that. I don't know. But I can, I can officially say my first was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yours was Ghost. Two movies we probably had no business being in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, uh, yeah, I mean, there are certain other movies that I definitely remember, like, as a kid seeing um, – like we talked about Jurassic Park last year, I definitely, oh, well, two years ago now, I definitely remember seeing Jurassic Park. Uh, Aladdin, I remember seeing because I stupidly chose that over the Mighty Ducks. I had a choice, oh. and I for some reason chose Aladdin. I mean, Aladdin's a fine movie, but over the Mighty Ducks, no. Um, there, I mean, there would be others as a kid. I, I, I think I've t- we talked about drive-ins at some point recently, and I do remember as a five-year-old when I was in Sydney going to that and we saw Don't Stop or the uh, My Mum Will Shoot. Don't and Tell Mom the Baby yeah, Dad. And that one too, yeah. So they yeah. would have been before Jurassic Park. Um, but, yeah, that that's it. I'm just looking here at release dates around Ghost. The only kitty one I can see here is the Jungle Book re-release. Maybe that was it. Uh, I don't think it would have been Die Hard 2. I don't think it would have been arachnophobia. Um, so, yeah, I'm guessing that. Hunt for Red October. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm guessing that would be it. So, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh, not, nothing much else to add other than I think my experience of seeing this was probably just bits and pieces of it here and there as my mom was watching it on TV. And some of those scenes I actually remember quite well as I was watching this. But the pottery scene is really the one thing that stands out because it is so parody. And I'm sure we get to that. You know, we'll have lots to say on it. Uh, But maybe it's because that scene's been parodied so much that that's why everybody assumes that's all this movie is. And what you were saying on Demi Moore is interesting, too, because she's she's in a decent amount of this movie. But it's it's almost two different plots. It's him trying to communicate with his dead girlfriend and then him trying to solve his own murder and she doesn't really play a part in the murder one so it it really does feel like she's just you know a very insignificant part of this movie because when you see the finished product you realize the love story is a backseat plot It it is not what is driving this movie it is a smaller section of this movie but I don't want to, you know, get in trouble with all the people who love this movie or anything, but like Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore are terrible actors, like awful. And I think we had <laughs> mentioned on the the last episodes, like Demi Moore, like she had ghosts. Like I know she was in everything in the '90s, but nothing's really coming to mind. Then when you look at filmography, it's like A Few Good Men. How did I forget she was in that movie? Disclosure. How did I forget she was in that movie? Indecent Proposal. Like Woody Harrelson. 
how did I forget Demi Moore was in that movie? And then I realized it's because she's such a bland, boring actress. Like <laughs> you, you read the story of how she got cast and it essentially came down to the fact that she could cry on cue, but yet her crying is the most insincere thing in this movie. It literally just looks like somebody who can produce tears, but there's no emotion. And Patrick Swayze, I, I will have some credit for him in a few parts of this movie. Uh, really, my only exposure to him is three movies, Ghost, Dirty Dancing, and Point Break. And Point Break, I'm a huge fan of. Dirty Dancing, not a fan of. This maybe lies somewhere in the middle. And I think that there's moments here where I see the Point Break Patrick Swayze, the tough guy Patrick Swayze, which I actually think I wish he could have built a bigger career on. But maybe this movie just changed the audience too much. And between this and Dirty Dancing, he just he he felt he had to kind of live up to that. Is it Demi or Demi? Uh, I'm, I'm, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I feel like Demi is just like what most people say. But then like if you're fancy, Demi more, you know, it's like, it, oh, it, I work I mean, with Demi look, more. You know, if you look on... Um, uh, Wikipedia, where they have you can hover over for the pronunciations. <laughs> it seems to have it as both Demi and Dummy. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just call her Miss Moore. <laughs> it's, it's probably pronounced like you know Diane or something like that. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I'll quickly say that this and this is a dumb, this is a Ben thing to say because I realized the movie I'm about to reference came out like 15 years later. But it, it reminded me a lot of um, Just Like Heaven. I don't know if you've ever seen that, like Mark Ruffalo's in that, oh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Uh, again, mm-hmm. more like the other way around. Clearly, I think Just Like Heaven was probably influenced by Ghost, but uh, yeah. similar sort I of. I love you say probably. It came out 15 years later. <laughs> it might have been. It could have been Ghost Stolen. I'm not going to make accusations. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like it's interesting with the, the bad acting I mean, I don't know if I necessarily sat here thinking they're terrible actors, but I, I, I wasn't blown away from them. I, to me, I just put it down to it's the 90s when you get, a, like, a lot of the people in this movie, I think, are bad actors, and it just kind of it all fits together because it's one of those 90s movies where it's like, whoa, okay, then this was what everyone expected back then. But, I like, can, I don't know if Jamie's around or you've asked Jamie this question or if we can do a quick straw okay. poll, poll of the one female listener who ever tuned in once in 2018. <laughs> but what... What is the deal with Patrick Swayze? Like, why was he a thing? Uh, I, I don't dislike Patrick Swayze. Genuinely seems like a nice guy. I'm sorry he's dead. I, you know, I have nothing <laughs> against him as a person. It's not like Ryan Gosling who makes me angry that people like him. But I just, he always, I think we talked this in Dirty Dancing. He looks like an old man. He looks like he's about 50 all the he time. He's an old man. Well, was he? How he's old was he old. in this movie? I mean, he was 30, I think, by the time he made Dirty Dancing. So here he would have been like 33, 34 years old. Oh, I mean, well, that's I guess old. I'm 33. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm older than that. that. But, uh, but in terms of like Dirty Dancing, a movie for teenage girls, this may be for slightly older. I guess he's an appropriate age. But I, I will say he looks older than that. He looks closer to 40. I don't get it. Like, again, I know I've talked about a lot in the past when I watch older movies, it's hard for me to look at these people and find them attractive because, like, you just mentally know the age gap and all that kind of stuff now. But I just don't get it. I just really don't get it. I can look at Roger Moore in the 70s and go, okay, you know, there's moments there. The sun glimmers on his skin and his personality makes him attractive. Whereas Patrick Swayze is yeah. just one of these, he's on the Ryan Gosling level of attractiveness. It's like, I just don't get it. I don't understand what women see in him. It, it, there's also kind of a weird thing that I picked up on as soon as this movie started. And I point out to Jamie and she's like, yeah, I can see that. 
Patrick Swayze has – I'm not insulting or anything. It's just it's just a fact. He has a little bit more of feminine features uh, than your typical average guy. Demi Moore, maybe because of the haircut, has a little bit more masculine features in this. A little so bit. it's kind of odd. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it, it, like legitimately, this movie started and I told Jamie, Demi Moore literally looks like a 12-year-old boy. Like not yes. even – stretching it a bit like you could look at her because she's not wearing a lot of makeup in this movie either typically baggy clothes she looks like a 12 year old boy not a woman who has a 12 year old boy haircut looks like a 12 year old boy she's like no she doesn't and then three scenes later she's like all right i see it now (laughs) and and it was the same thing with patrick swayze i'm like you know he's got a little bit more of a feminine look to him so it's kind of odd watching together and she's like yeah i see that too i don't know i texted her so we'll see if she gets back to us but (laughs) that's the level of relationship you're in the same house (laughs) i texted her (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to run the risk of her opening the door and children bombarding this podcast. But, um, <laughs> like Demi but like, Moore. It is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is kind of weird because I'm not going to say he's an unattractive guy. Maybe it's more a personality thing. I mean, it, it could be a dancing thing because like women have that big thing for John Travolta too, which has a lot to do with dancing. You know, even though John Travolta is way more attractive way than more Patrick attractive. Swayze. Yeah, but the the dancing thing got to have something to do with it. The, the fact that he's playing a bit of the bad boy in Dirty Dancing, I think. Like we mentioned Dirty Dancing. And I would love to go back and see what my review is because that's definitely a binnable movie. But I almost feel like I, I I rented that on the grounds of, you know what? This movie will get you laid. No, <laughs> you, you didn't rent it. Laid. You obviously didn't get laid okay. out. That wasn't one of the two times you had children. <laughs> But, like, I recognize there is some appeal with Patrick Swayze that really gets women. And I would love to know what it is because I, I don't see it either. Yeah. What well, is he... it, Jamie? You're yelling from upstairs. You want to come down here? Come down here for a second. Okay? He's so the kids will survive. Stop it. Come down. We need your opinion on the episode. Come on, Jamie, we need a Patrick Swayze <laughs> rating here. You got to tell us. Okay, what is the appeal with Patrick? So I don't want to read it verbatim. You're stand, you're standing inches from the microphone. I'm not reading your text verbatim. I said he looks like he'd be really energetic. I mean, <laughs> just look at his youthful stamina. What? What happened? Where am I? What year is it? Okay, okay. I need to need so, clarification. Who's a better Patrick? Patrick Swayze or Patrick Stewart? Well, who's a better Patrick? Patrick Swayze or Patrick Stewart? Um. Oh, she's thinking. That's kind of a hard question. To Whoa. I think Patrick Swayze would be a little bit more nasty. Okay, so I feel it's, like Patrick Stewart's going to be a little bit more proper. Okay, but just on a physical <laughs> level, looking at this man, if you didn't know his energy and you didn't lose track of where you were or what year it was thinking about him, what physically draws you to this man? I mean, like, he hit, not this picture specifically, but, like, uh, other ones that you look at a little bit older than this one here, his hair is great. He has great hair. Great hair, okay. He, he's better shirtless. He, Who's better shirtless? I, f- I forgot she can hear you right now. I, I plugged mean, her in. <laughs> I'm repeating your. I don't really. I don't really know what Jean Luc looks like shirtless. Yes, you do. Right, well, Wasn't hope- there a whole thing in Logan that you talked about him being hot shirtless? I listened that to the was, episode. That was 75 year old. I, I guess remember. you'd have to see. Well, 75 year old Patrick but- Stewart versus 50 year old Patrick Swayze in this movie. However old he is, it better be Patrick Stewart. I mean, he doesn't look like I'd give him a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> So it's for their sake, too. Well, in okay. all fairness, Jamie, only one of these actors is still alive, and it's not the younger one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew that already. And Rip following Patrick this Swayze. movie, 
Zach, he died of cancer. No, well, that's not what I was getting at. I love that we're on death here so much in this episode. Stop laughing about okay, cancer. So, following this movie, he is named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. Don't quite see it. Yeah. Okay. Who else was sexy in 1990? What other men were sexy? Demi Moore? Demi Moore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's were you, run through. Were you, were you thinking Tom Cruise, Colin? Well, I'm Tom Cruise, I'm sure, had won at that point. Maybe they're just looking There's, for a, a fresh face. Pierce Brosnan and Tom Cruise are Colin's boy crushes. Yeah, and let's throw Sean Bean in there, where, too. Where he's like, he's like, you know, I'm straight, I'm not gay, but man, <laughs> is he beautiful. <laughs> well, I'm looking here at the cover yeah. of Patrick Swayze's yeah, Sexiest Man in, uh, in Live. Yeah. That mullet, my lord, that would turn me <laughs> off straight away, as it is. I just pulled up the cover for Point Break with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves, and Jamie has lost the ability to speak. <laughs> he and you know I don't even know I can't even pinpoint exactly what it is. Like I know women like him too, but with Keanu, sorry, I just have to go on a quick tangent. Women like him? That he you talk about him more than your own children, Jamie. But he he was my first crush when I was a teenager, and still my biggest one. But I think it's just a combination of all these things. Like yeah, he's really hot, but he's such a nice guy. And I ever I told Colin I said you know if you ever died seriously, he'd be like my number one husband pick. <laughs> Okay, okay, so to clarify, Jamie's uh, criteria for men is they are a bit nasty, can be a bit proper, they're also really, really nice, and they're also Colin. Okay. Okay. And good okay, but, hair, apparently. But you see, they have to be—they have to be nasty, but they have to be nice enough where I can boss them around. <laughs> it's like you're the—you're the, you're the dominant one. Okay, uh, and also just to, can we just point out who who was sexiest man alive around Patrick Swayze? So the year before it was Tom Cruise. The year after it was Nick Nolte. Is that a thing? Nick Nolte. They're Nick getting Nolte. older with each year. Richard and Sean Gere. Connery won it. <laughs> what was Sean Connery won it around there too? So they really were gearing twice. Has he? Nineteen eighty nine. Sean Connery didn't he win it again when he was really old as well? I think that was when he was old. He's got like the best chest hair I've ever seen. Yes. Okay, we've got Jamie speaking on men. I think we'll have to excuse her now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is- just saying next year, Point Break's <laughs> 20th anniversary, we get Jamie to join us for Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Okay, and Rat Race, where you can check out Cuba and Gooding Rat- Jr., Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, yes. Hey, I'm Sexiest saying it. Of- Rowan Atkinson, sexier than Patrick Swayze because he would make you laugh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Jamie, Rowan Atkinson shirtless. Thoughts? Uh, she left. Oh, she's so excited by the prospect that she had to go relieve herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, well, I don't even know where we are There's right now. <laughs> there is a movie in here. Ghosts uh, starring a man yeah. and a woman in the different roles that you're thinking of. Uh, we're, we <laughs> We lost all our uh, female uh, listeners, again, bagging up Patrick Swayze. Should mention, though, um, Whoopi Goldberg, Academy Award-winning performance. Are uh, we interested also to hear? sexier than Patrick Swayze. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. Um, to- Tony Goodwin, Goldwyn, the esteemed. Oh. Now, what's he from? I've seen him in other things. He's got one of those faces you just want to punch. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking the same. The only thing I know, I know he was in The Last Samurai because, you know, Tom Cruise oh, and all, right? he's in The Sixth Day. Hang on. He's the evil dude oh, in The right. Sixth Day who clones himself. Yeah, that's yeah. him. Yeah, and I remember he played Neil Armstrong in uh, the From the Earth to the Moon miniseries, which I think uh, is what okay. I remember. He's just, he's an unpleasant person. And, it, you know, it's funny because, uh, well, I'll just tell the story now because what else are we going to do? Talk about this movie? <laughs> um, but 
Tony Goldwyn uh, has a funny story where he had gone into a restaurant and had a woman basically giving him an evil look for the entire thing, treating him nasty and couldn't figure out why. And then eventually he said, hey, you know what? I'm I'm just an actor because he figured, well, she doesn't like me because I'm the villain in Ghost or whatever. It's like, you know, I'm just an actor. And she's like, an actor? It's like, yeah, from Ghost. It's like, That's what I know you from. It's like, I just looked at your face and I knew instantly there was something about you I didn't like. <laughs> but I didn't know if I had met you or if this was a movie. But he had people who just couldn't place him. He's, he's one of these guys, like you said, what do I know him from? You don't even necessarily place him as the guy from Ghost, but people hate him. It's just he's got one of those faces. You just want to smack him. He's like, um, what was the one we recently talked about? Um, Day after tomorrow, where what's his face? He just looked like one of those douche nozzles that just you know called Brad, who plays volleyball or something like that. You know, like you just, <laughs> yeah. you just you, this guy's like a a Wall Street banker who drives a Mustang and wants a Ferrari. Okay. Carl takes uh, off his shirt when he fakes spilling coffee on himself. Yeah, that's that's Jamie's dream, though, isn't it? Like every single time <laughs> she goes into a guy's house, oh, I spilled coffee on myself. Let me take yes. off my shirt. Mind you, Jamie yeah, does like, that oh, actually. Let me pour some coffee on you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and Vincent Schiavelli, uh, <laughs> Doctor Kaufman from Tomorrow Never Dies. That's what I was most excited for in this movie, and I love Whoopi Goldberg. I, I didn't even know if we realized he was in this movie. No, I mean I'd forgotten it until the scenes came up. I'm like, was that this movie? But yeah, I mean he's he's a, a scene stealer in this movie too. And um, every movie's in. Who, We've uh, seen two of them, so this guy's awesome. Exactly. Was awesome. Rip. Uh, the guy, uh, the guy who plays the the killer. What's his name? Um, Rick. Oh, Willie Lopez. Rick Alves yeah, Lopez, or whatever yeah. his name is. Alves. Uh, yeah, he was uh, apparently played mask number one in the Godfather part three, but I'm like, I can picture this guy from something too. And I realized it was the, the miniseries, the Stephen King miniseries, the stand. He played one of the main villains, the rat man in that. Now I don't want to punch him. He's got a really despicable face, but I don't want to punch him the way I want to punch Tony Goldwyn. Like, well, that's good. I'm glad. Cause he's also dead. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> everybody, you know, for a movie called ghost, why is everybody dead? I know. And like, there's a curse. We've done movie recaps on movies that are like 20 years older than this and everyone's still alive. Yet everyone in this, Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, watch yourself. You're, you're, you're next. Um, which, <laughs> can I just say, when Patrick Swayze died, very sad. I mean, that, I actually do remember that because didn't he die not long before Michael Jackson? Um, I think it was around the same time. I remember Farrah Fawcett died like the day before Michael Jackson. So basically the tributes of Farrah Fawcett lasted five minutes. And then all of a sudden, shit, Michael Jackson's dead. Um, but I, I remember when like everyone kept showing these tribute clips. Every single tribute clip revolved around the ending of him going off into heaven at the end of this movie because they're like, oh, oh. how poignant. He, his like, most famous movie was him going to heaven and now he's going to heaven. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Um, <laughs> I'm robbing a bank and break. I'm so sorry that he's dead. I genuinely have nothing against Patrick Swayze. I just don't get that big deal with this guy. Like, yeah, and again, when we get into certain parts of this movie, I'm going to be like, hey, there's moments he's really good. There's also moments where he's just really boring. It's we're going to look back at, at Ryan Gosling in like 20 years. We are, are we already looking back at Ryan Gosling? I don't know. Who's the who's the big guy in 2020? Like I don't know when we no one. There's been no movies released this year, but yeah. like who is it? Who is the the current one that every woman loves? I mean, you could say a couple of years ago it was one of the many Chris's, but 
Yeah, like what was what were some big movies in 2019? Which one got the biggest female audience? Um yeah, we're literally Googling. You can hear the case right <laughs> um, uh, Well, we have the Avengers, Spider-Man. Uh, I have a feeling well, like Donald Glover is up there. Because, like, Donald Glover is one of these weird ones that, like, I didn't realize, like, Mallory had a thing for him. But we were uh, we were somewhere and he came up in conversation and all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, Donald Glover. And Mallory's like, I don't know who that is. And somebody's like, oh, that's Childish Gambino. And she's like, oh, yeah, child- like he's attractive. And then like something came up recently with him somewhere else and a lot of people were just, yeah, he's so hot. He's so hot. So is it Donald Glover? <laughs> I mean, based on the three uh, women I know. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Is it Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, I mean, that <laughs> guy's always attractive. Come on. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, we don't really have that anymore. I mean, that it's funny that, you know, a couple of years ago, there was all these shirtless guys, and maybe because they've all done the Marvel movies and been done to death, there's not really that 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 fanaticism from women about actors like there was a couple of years ago. There, there's definitely no actresses out there that, you know, strike the same chord with men. I mean, you could say Margot Robbie a couple of years ago. I personally don't really get that, but... Yeah, you know, we need another Patrick Swayze. Come on, people. Well, re- reigning sexiest man alive is John Legend. So, Ugh. Whoa, what? that kind of reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, he looks like a thirteen-year-old girl. <laughs> oh, really? No, um, I, I do like the fact that the last. <laughs> I've been racist, now I'm a pedophile in this episode, ticking all the bed boxes. Uh, the last five sexiest men alive have all been over the age of 40, so I'm still within a chance. I've got seven years to reach my peak. I'm glad. Actually, all the sexiest, sexiest men alive, alive have n- never been below 30. Oh, John F. Kennedy Jr. No, Tom Cruise, the last sexiest man alive under the age of 30, and there's only been two, him and Jan- John F. Kennedy Jr. Who's Harry hey, Hamlin? Hey, no. Um... Another one of those mom actors. I I, I somehow <laughs> recognize the name. Mark Hamon or I, Hamon, whatever you say his name is, was sexiest man alive. Really? That was one of my mom's favorites there. Who votes for these? People magazine. <laughs> my goodness. Well, can we just say sexiest man alive 2020 must be BD Wong and sexiest uh, woman Renee Russo? Absolutely. Uh, they apparently stopped doing sexiest woman alive. They only did it like once. Um, hmm. and well, Cindy Crawford got sexiest couple alive with uh Richard Gear, but uh, Esquire. Uh, oh no, hang on, you had a pause there. Cindy Crawford got sexiest couple alive, and I was picturing something completely different until you said with Richard Gear. <laughs> Cindy Crawford is so attractive that she literally had to be put into two people, like the only person ever. But I don't, I don't know if people did it or Esquire or does people own Esquire. I don't understand this, but it's saying here that the only time there was ever a sexiest woman alive, uh, Kate Upton got it. Uh, oh, no, that was People Magazine's only time they ever did it, Kate Upton. The Esquire does the sexiest woman alive. Okay, now it makes sense. And the last time they did it was 2015. Because I'm guessing, oh, no, people think it's, you know, sexist, yet they still do it for men. Okay, sure. Uh, Amelia Clark won it in 2015. Mm. Eh, I mean, she's not unattractive, but Rihanna, 2011, she got it. 2011 Uh, through 2019, I'm hoping. (laughs) Other other such esteemed winners, Penelope Cruz, yeah, okay. Scarlett Johansson, yeah, okay. Uh, Mila Kunis, yeah, okay. Um, the esteemed Minka Kelly, love her. 
Um, <laughs> still got posters of her on my wall. Um, <laughs> Kate Beckinsale, Halle Berry, Charlize oh. Theron, Scarlett Johansson again. She's won it twice. Jessica Biel and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, 2004 Angelina Jolie I'd put up there, not 2020 Angelina Jolie. You've got um, a couple of them there for like older, over 30, yeah, closing yeah. on 40. Whoopi Goldberg will be this year as well. She'll be tired of the right. area, so. <laughs> Um But yes, Ghost. Okay, we should really get into this. Uh, <laughs> how have we taken like half an hour and we haven't even started Ghost? My God, this isn't a movie we like. I, again, famous last words. I feel like we can skim through a lot of this, but hey, we've said that before <laughs> yeah. and five hours later, that was Titanic. Um, this movie starts really weirdly. It's kind of just like black screen, doom, ghost. And then we've got like it's the opening from Scream. It- <laughs> like it is shot for shot, music note for music note, the same opening tiles of Scream. Like boom towards the screen, duh, ghost. And it's just Scream. And do they? I mean, did they sell this movie on the love angle? Like were women going into this movie going like, oh Patrick Swayze, oh Demi Moore, oh you know, yay? And then all of a sudden it's like ding ghost, yeah, <laughs> creepy music going through. Like I don't get this opening. No, it's like it- are we meant to be scared of? pottery statues and wires like that's the the thing is is I, that's why i think this was a movie that they intended to be a thriller and then in uh, let me just start off right away before we because let's delay getting the movie anymore here um famous story that hopefully we will get to tell again when we hopefully cover top gun if it doesn't get delayed in december um top gun was filmed as a straight action movie there was a love story in there but it was a small part of the movie And when they did test screenings, women responded so strongly to the love story that they went back and reshot a couple of scenes just to beef it up a little. And to me, this feels like that's what this movie was like. They they shot a thriller and then they did test screenings and women like we want more of a love story. So like, all right, put them in front of a pottery wheel, (laughs) put an unchained melody. And then you have this movie because you look at the promotion. They promoted this as the poster two nude people kissing each other's necks the title ghost it's it's not meant to be a thriller based on the promotion but the opening titles tell you this is a thriller i thought the love story in top gun was between tom cruise and keanu uh, not keanu reese val kilmer <laughs> keanu reese yeah. was in it too apparently uh but uh you know <laughs> at least in the version i've seen yeah no it's and it's odd and it's, it's kind of funny because We'll talk about it when we get to the scene, but I feel like these 80s and 90s movies that are so known for like, oh, these are the movies that women love and all this kind of stuff, the the, the famous scenes are so oversold. Like, yeah. Like, even Top Gun. I mean, again, we'll get to Top Gun. I have very indifferent feelings about Top Gun, but the whole take my breath away, like all that moment, like, is that it? Like, we talked about that in Dirty Dancing, I think, like with the Nobody Puts Baby in the- like, What? That's so stupid. <laughs> and even kind of like the last dance scene, I mean, it's the best part of the movie, but even that, it's like, okay, well, it's fine, but is that really as iconic as people think it is? Uh, it's odd. <laughs> Here, let me, get on, let me get on more of my theories so that we can delay the movie more. Um, <laughs> I was talking about this with Jamie because you want Jamie's reaction. Like, I, I told her, you know what, I got to cover Ghost this weekend because she said, what do you want to watch tonight? Like, a couple of days ago, I'm like, I got to cover Ghost this weekend. It's on Amazon Prime. Do you want to watch Ghost? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, you've seen Ghost before, right? And she did. Yeah, like it's like, <laughs> how can you ask? I'm a woman. Of as course, you're born. Ghosts. You get given a copy of it. It's like you've got a girl. Have yeah, a copy exactly. of Ghost and Dirty Dancing. That's literally how it works. It's like, all right, do we see a twig and berries? No. Here's your copy of Ghost <laughs> with Dirty Dancing in the mail. Boys have a penis. 
penis. Yeah. Uh, but when, when, um, this, this afternoon when I was talking to her or this morning, I guess <laughs> only barely afternoon now, you, you book uh, yourself in once a week. I'll talk to my wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Jamie, the, the alarm just went off here. It's time for a conversation. Weekly conversation. Uh, what do you want to talk about this week? Ghost? It's no. a good movie. Okay. See you. Bye. Look after the kids. Love you. I've got, I've got two and a half to three hours that I got to give Ben later. So let's just talk about the same thing. So I'm prepared. True story. I get more time with Colin each week than he does with his wife. I'm surprised yes. I'm not pregnant. If you are, it's going to be triplets. That's the way the math yes. is checking out. And that's, that's, and Arnold Schwarzenegger will be one of them, clearly. Uh, yeah. Danny DeVito and Eddie Murphy. Oh, my dream trio. But um, I was saying, you know, I, I'm going to be interested to go over this movie because I feel like this wasn't meant to be a love story. And she's like, you know, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is a different movie than I remembered it. And she had obviously seen this movie enough times that it was laughable if I asked her if she had seen it. And yet it's different the way she remembered it. So it, here's my weird theory. OK, Gone with the Wind. You've probably never seen it because, oh. well, it's four hours long. I think I started it in 1998 and I'm about halfway through. Still getting but, through it. No, I think yeah. I have. It's one of those ones where, like, I think you've all seen bits and pieces. Like Casablanca, like, I'm pretty sure I've Mm -hmm. seen most of it, but could I remember it? No. Well, and and here's the thing. uh, I'm glad you brought up Casablanca because that's another one of my examples here. Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, Dr. Zhivago. Dr. Zhivago, I remember avoiding seeing that for years because it was one of my mom's movies and it would make her cry. And it's like it's such a beautiful love story. And then eventually I watched it because I found out this is the guy who made The Bridge on the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia, two of my favorite movies. And I watched him like, why do women think this is a love story? It's actually a very dark movie about a guy cheating on his wife with another woman and then leaving them both in the end because he he wants to stay in a different country. You know, it's, it's a weird movie. It's the same thing with Gone with the Wind. Women have held this movie up as like a, a love story. And, and I'm not saying they misinterpret the movie, but we've gotten into this, I think, now four years in a row, women take something different out of movies than guys do. Yeah. And when you have a movie where there is one section of the movie that's geared toward them, it's the same as when we would watch something like, let's say in the notebook, they had had a big Kung Fu fight between Ryan Gosling and James Marsden. Uh. We would be like, you know, this is like a rivalry for the, this is a movie about two men. Kick his ass, James. Just- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Get We've the all these men that steal your women, you poor, beautiful man, James Martin. Kick his ass. <laughs> you get Sonic as a friend later on. You deserve Sonic as a friend. Good on you. But but it's I'm not saying women misinterpret these movies, but when you watch movies like Gone with the Wind, Dr. Zhivago, Casablanca, Ghost, add that in there. The love story part is such a small part of it, but it resonates with a female audience. And I think those are movies that are trying to appeal to all demographics, which is why I walk out of being like, why are women thinking this is a love story? Same with this. But it's funny because you look at something like The Notebook and you don't have something like that that's geared towards men. There really are movies that try to appeal to both audiences. And then there's movies that appeal to just one. And I feel like this movie is an example of they they wanted to appeal to all audiences, but a select few scenes really struck a nerve with women, and that's what they remember this movie as. Same as Gone with the Wind. Very true. I would agree with that. I mean, that's why I'm thinking women don't like Die Hard because there was no love story. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> that's a weird thing. 
Yeah, well, that's because women are smarter than men. Clearly, we as men <laughs> can't put our distaste for these movies that aren't geared to us aside, and we do podcasts about it. Going, I just don't get it. Whereas women yeah. are smart enough and can put it aside and go, I like Die Hard. I like Ghost. So there we go, <laughs> folks. We've proven once and for all that women are the smarter sex. There, mm-hmm. um, the feminist voice on the Oz Network once again doing my job. But <laughs> so yeah, we've got creepy scenes around this place, and then we meet our Trio, not as great as trio as Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, and Eddie Murphy. We've got Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, and the other Tony guy who got his name, Tony Goldwyn. There it is. I, I think I've, what's his name? Carl. I think I put his name as Cliff halfway down through this movie. So I'm going <laughs> to call him Cliff, um, but I'll forget about that. Um, speaking about forgetting about things, uh, Noah hasn't had a date this year. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's our one per episode. Um, so Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze have got an apartment together. And this is another thing too that I for some reason thought that these two met in the movie and had like a whirlwind relationship before he died. I didn't realise they were mm. already together and are like moving in. Um, so for some reason Patrick Swayze and Cliff have to be shirtless. They find a penny in a jar, which is good luck. Okay. Um <laughs> Uh, there's there's lots of things around and they love this place. It's great. It's going to be fantastic, you know, and then the next minute we basically are going to see this apartment has turned into something brand new. Uh, but Carl and Patrick Swayze, what's his name, Sam, they're um, Wall Street people because, of course, this is coming in the back of the 80s when only Wall Street was movies. That's <laughs> You want to show the New York <laughs> in the 90s or the 80s, it had to be Wall Street. Um and he's, Patrick Swayze's got a meeting with Japanese investors. His hair looks like it's been glued on to his head. It's like rock hard. It looks like a helmet. Just <laughs> what because was his hair Wall in this Street period is. of life? What What is the it? The Wall Street thing. <laughs> oh, and like fashion. We talked about this in Kindergarten Cop. Like, God, it doesn't date well. Um how did people get laid in the 90s? Seriously. Um, we do The best part of this movie, though, Ferrari Testarossa, what a beautiful little car that is. For some, I mean, that, it does feel very weird though. The way I'm thinking, like, oh, later on, one of them is going to get a Ferrari as a sign of wealth. I don't know, but literally, it's just like, oh, look, there's a Ferrari. Okay, like, did Ferrari pay them like a million dollars to name drop them or something in this movie? It's kind of strange. Um, we're in the elevator. Cliff is pretending to be sick. Uh, this joke doesn't hold up very well in 2020, does it? <laughs> I felt a bit like social distancing. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, they're in the office. Patrick Swayze uh, sexually harasses Susie. Yeah. Uh, morning, Susie. You're looking good. Uh- <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. He looks 40 and she looks way too old for him. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, snap poll. Susie, does she really look good? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she looks more age appropriate for Patrick Swayze. <laughs> True. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Um, but, you know, no, uh, I'm going to say it. Controversial opinion. Susie doesn't look good. Uh, no. Sorry, Susie. <laughs> I'm sure in the 1920s when you were age appropriate, you looked good. But in this movie, no, you don't. Um, You're beautiful on the inside, though, Cindy. <laughs> you are. You definitely are. Um 
Meanwhile, we're back at their house. Patrick Swayze is wearing the ugliest motherfucking shirt you will ever see. He somehow saves this angel from being hoisted up by jumping out and kicking it. Are they just trying to leave subtle little hints in this whole movie about like, oh, careful, you could die. Oh, careful, you could die. Because I guess we know that Patrick Swayze is going to die. I don't think that was hidden from the promotion on this movie. Um, she's a so – what is she, a sculpture, a, a, an artist? Yeah. like sculpting artist. <laughs> it's very bohemian Something. and cool. Like she was she was hipster before hipsters were cool, apparently. Uh-huh. Um they're in bed reading. Uh he's worried about the promotion. Is this where we first hear the I love you ditto thing? Yeah. Which I mean, okay, like there are definitely these romantic moments in this movie, which I will say they're not the worst. Like they're not over the top and cheesy. And like they genuinely do actually work. I feel, I don't know how you feel about that, but like, I mean like dirty dancing, it felt a bit, you're like, Ugh. the notebook just felt, Ugh. whereas I think Titanic is nice. You don't. Uh, this, I think kind of like, it's, it's a nice little thing, you know, the I love you ditto. And that's going to play that later on. It actually reminded me a lot of, I love you. I know from the star Wars when mm-hmm. the player eventually says it back to Han in um, return yeah. of the Jedi. So props to that. I will say there, the, the limited romance we get in this movie, 95% of it works. Um, mm-hmm. they turn on TV, there's a plane crash and Patrick Swayze is like, Oh, another one. Should they not have like. <laughs> I think, okay, the thing that I think would work better with this is say there's like a a murder spree happening in New York right now and he's like, oh, another one, like, you know, it makes you scared or or he dies in a plane crash. I know that kind of changes the story, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of odd just him like going, oh, another one, you know, things come in threes. Like, are you implying that your death is going to be connected to the fact that you are watching a plane crash? And how many planes are crashing in 1990? Another one? I know, that's what's... That's the reason that it's such a weird line because, like, oh, not another one. That's the sixth one in three days. That's it. I'm canceling my flights. Like, because he's he's basically on the verge of saying, I don't think I can fly anymore. <laughs> but that that that's more than just one or two crashes. Which that's a pandemic be, of crashes. Well, th- that's right. I mean, what do we get? Maybe one major plane crash every two, three years. Like, we haven't. I'm going to say this now. I'm to, sorry to the plane. It's clearly about to crash in a couple of days, people, but there hasn't been a major plane crash in a while. Um, well, we, we, we had one here in Canada that was pretty big news a few weeks ago, but you only cover the news for your job. You wouldn't know that. Which one was, well, are you talking about the, the snowbird? One. Oh, I'm talking about like a commercial airliner. That was sad. Oh, okay. That well, was in BC. Only one I, person yeah. died. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's not coronavirus. I mean, what are we going to have yeah. a chart next saying like plane crashes killing more people than the flu? Um, <laughs> but I mean, I meant like a, a commercial jet. You know, when mm-hmm. when the Malaysia ones crashed like six years ago, we had like two and six months, and people were like in shock, and particularly because it was the same airline. This, they're yeah, as you said, it's a pandemic of plane crashes in 1990. <laughs> Maybe um, what's his face just has an obsession with planes. We're going to be talking about that next week, aren't we? So you know, like he just he has to have a plane in every single thing he does. It's like a, a director trademark, Jerry Zucker. So I don't know. Um, but but then we get to the I- most iconic scene of 1990. <laughs> It's 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 not it's a tumor, not a tumor scene. It is Demi Moore is awake at two in the morning. She's doing a pottery. She's got a record stacker player thing. And Patrick Swayze wakes up and is all like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I couldn't sleep." And Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers comes on the stereo, 
And apparently the way to get laid in 1990 was to <laughs> seductively rub women's hands covered in clay because this then leads to a PG-13 sex scene, which is just odd. Now, I kind of said it before. I'm going to say it now. I was expecting so much more from the most iconic scene in cinema in 1990. I mean, this is what this movie is known for. You hear Unchained Melody now, and what do people automatically go? Oh, ghosts, pottery. Oh, lol, don't do it. You know, ha, 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 And I don't know, does this come down to the rating? Because I think this was a PG-13 movie, was it? I don't know. But I feel like this is so over-talked up. Like, it's just mm-hmm. he rubs her hands a little bit, he kisses her neck, then they do it, and you don't even see anything good. And then we're back to Wall Street. <laughs> That's it? Like, he's he gets his... Abs rubbed? I mean, okay, let's be honest. This is why women love this scene. This is so iconic because you get a close-up on Patrick Swayze's abs being rubbed. You don't even get to yeah. see Demi Moore's ass. It's covered by a bloody shirt. Um, so, I don't know. Colin, what is what is the big deal with this scene? It is so, like, that's it? It's, yeah, okay, let me, let me start by saying I was caught off guard because I remember there being two scenes of pottery in this movie. And there is only one, and this is it. <laughs> so when we get to what I thought the second pottery scene is, you're going to hear a lot more from me. Uh, but I'm with you. It's it's a very small scene. Patrick Swayze has says it's the sexiest scene in, that he had ever made in movie history. <laughs> okay, I mean, if this does it for you, I mean, not me, not my thing. He gets uh, <laughs> off on pottery, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, gets off on something else. I'll leave that comment for later, too. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's... It's 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 really nothing. It's a small moment in the movie, but it's like it, it worked. It was something different. It's something you hadn't seen before, I guess. I guess it is unique. I can give it that. I think it's just been it's because it has been so talked about and so parodied that if you're not somebody who's just lived and breathed this movie for 20 years, you're going to either watch this for the first time or go back and watch it for the first time in a long time and be like, wait, is that all it was? Yeah. And like, OK, like you make a good point. I I I do think it actually kind of works. It's a weird thing where it's like, that's it, but okay, it works. And, yeah, these two aren't the best actors, but they've got them. They do have great chemistry, let's be honest. They, they, you don't think so? I think they work great together. Controversial opinion here. Uh, We talked about in the Dirty Dancing episode how much Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey hated each other off set and how that actually did produce for kind of an interesting chemistry between them. I think that's what this is missing. They seem like they like each other too much. Like, there's no... (laughs) There's nothing between them. I mean, physical chemistry, maybe here in one scene, but I don't really get that these two are, like, devoted to each other. Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams hated each other. Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey hated each other. Good chemistry. I don't know. What did we say about the chemistry in... um Notebook, I can't even remember. But uh, this movie, You Say No, and um, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet had a very good relationship on Titanic. They're still very good friends, and <laughs> I don't think you thought the the chemistry was good between them either. So, Colin, you're, I you're picking things apart. the movie was bad. Oh, you like no, the chemistry. I, I, like, I, well, I, I think they did the best with what they had. I think in this movie... They're just such so under underwhelming as actors that they don't have, there's no life. It's Demi Moore. She's very lifeless in this movie for the one who's not playing a ghost. She's the lifeless one. <laughs> the one who's not playing a ghost. Everyone else <laughs> plays a ghost except for Demi Moore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but Unchained Melody, the Righteous Brothers again, that this song is just, uh, you're not a fan of the Righteous Brothers or? <laughs> no, I mean, they, they, they do a, a, another in a great 
gay love story, Top Gun. They, they, you've lost that love and feeling. But <laughs> it's this song, and I think it's just because it is so overplayed, maybe partly because of this movie or maybe because it's one of these songs that women just weep at, where it's just like, oh, I, was, I was tired of this song 20 years ago, and I probably only learned it existed 20 years ago. Now, your profile picture on Skype right now is two and a half men, obviously, <laughs> parodied this scene. But, uh, yeah, you said this has been parodied so many times. I mentioned to you off air that there used to be a commercial in Australia. I think it was for Ford, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like these two older sort of geeky people who just get into an awkward situation where they're doing this, and they start playing Unchained Melody, and then you realize they've made a pottery car. And it's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. I don't know. <laughs> any other famous ones that you know of? But, I mean, there's been so many. Family Guy? Fam- oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't The Simpsons do it as well? I'm sure. I mean, if we search right now ghost parody pottery, <laughs> we're probably going to find a million things. That was actually going to be in Kill Field uh, 3. But, the, yeah, we didn't quite get around to filming it. a list here. Entertainment Weekly ranking the top five parodies of ghosts pottery scene. Wow. You know there's a lot when there's an Entertainment <laughs> Weekly list. Uh, uh, it features the Naked Gun. The Naked okay. Gun did it. And didn't <laughs> What's-His-Face do the Naked Gun? Yeah, Jerry Zucker. So he's parroting his own movies. Very meta, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't pull up the whole list here for some reason because it's Entertainment Weekly and their website's terrible, but uh, we got at least three there. I'll, okay. I'll see if I can bring up the others later. All right. Uh, uh, otherwise, Colin and I will film one together. Uh, no, let's not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we only did our own, you know, pictures for this, we would just put our faces on their bodies for the scene, and that would be what we would put up on social media. <laughs> who Who would you rather do this uh, with in real life, Pierce Brosnan or Rene Russo? Oh, Rene Russo, but oh, it would be close. I, I would I would have <laughs> chosen Pierce, but <laughs> it's close though. <laughs> and you know what Pierce would have said halfway through it. Shirley Bassey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ben Pierce. That's my name. Fun, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, okay. Uh, we better get to some plot of this movie. Um, Patrick Swayze. I think his last name is Wheat. Sam Wheat. Uh, it sounds yeah. like a cracker that you would put cheese on or something like that. But um, <laughs> he's basically, what is his, what are they? Are they Wall Street people? Are they no bankers? Idea. Like, who are they? Who are they? I, I I was so confused. Like they spend a decent amount of time trying to show their job here, but giving you no real explanation as to what they do. I mean, they 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 work in Wall Street, but are they? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Anyway, so Patrick Swayze's found like all this extra money in an account, and he's been doing it for hours. And Cliff wants to help, but he's all like, "No, uh, don't help me, Cliff." Now, again, I'd seen this movie as a three year old. I'd never seen it since. I didn't know the plot of this movie, but straight away, right now, I'm like, "Oh, Cliff's so evil!" Like I'm just like yeah. <laughs> without even blinking. I'm like that dude's evil. He's does he kill Patrick Swayze? I'm like straight away. <laughs> nah, nah, he's evil. Uh, something's going iffy here. Um, even when he basically says, like, oh, so what are you doing tonight? Oh, yeah, I'm going to see Lady Macbeth. Oh, ha, 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 have fun. Um, okay. Uh, and, of course, everyone knows New York in the 90s was a cesspool of death and danger, so let's walk down a dark alley. Look, I've been to New York. I've been to New York a couple of times. I've walked around that city by myself at night around Broadway, and there are no streets this empty. So um, clearly they're in Harlem or something. I don't know. Uh, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I have no Brooklyn. idea. Bro- Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn. Do, do you need a moment to, to get your Bro- accent? Bro- Brooklyn. Bro- Brooklyn. 
It's not a tumor. <laughs> Slip there. I'm from Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming. <laughs> what about somebody from Wyoming who moved to Brooklyn? I'm from Brooklyn. Brook, no. Brooklyn. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Brooklyn. Anything to not talk about ghosts, apparently. Excuse me. Um, yeah. We learned that Patrick Swayze can't say I love you. He gets killed. Uh, but <laughs> some guy wants his wallet. And that you know what it reminds me of is Back to the Future Two when Marty's going back and like takes the almanac from Biff, and there's that one guy who's like, "I think I took his wallet. I think he took yeah, his wallet." I, wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I just want him in the background being put into every single movie where there's a wallet stolen because there's lots of them. Um, yeah, he gets shot and killed, and then this is when we see him as a ghost for the first time. He's out of his body and he's looking at this and, to me, more sad because he's been shot. Uh, he ends up in the hospital. He realises that he's dead. It's got this weird kind of moment too where he's like he wakes up like twice and there's a mannequin in the bed and I don't understand it. He looks towards the light, but he doesn't go to the light i'm guessing so are they implying that ghosts can choose if they feel they've got unfinished business is that what it is mm-hmm. like what if patrick says just like oh well and then went to heaven <laughs> and what about when willie and carl die later if they're just like the devil's trying to drag them down to hell they're like no 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 i choose to stay i got unfinished business oh man lost another one can i just point out that the only reason to me more is in trouble in this movie at any point is patrick swayze's fault because he kind of eventually wants to get revenge on Cliff, right? If he just lets it go and lets Cliff get the money, Demi Moore is not in any danger in this movie. So yeah. the only danger that Demi Moore is in in this movie is Patrick Swayze's fault. Right now, he could have just gone to heaven. So he's Demi Moore right. safe. It's that part of the episode. It's time to pass the buck of blame <laughs> onto the good guy. <laughs> but it's so true. Well, well, not so bad. Just trying to make a living. Yeah. Like, you didn't on. need to kill him. Yeah, exactly. You didn't. Like, I mean, in all fairness, like, as he admits, he didn't mean for him to die. He only wanted his wallet stolen. So why are you seeking revenge on Cliff when you should be seeking revenge on Willie or whatever the hell his name is? And, again, I know we'll talk a little bit about this later on, but I'm going to say this now because I might forget. When he learns he can push things, can't he just, like, push Cliff off a building or, like, get Willie and pick a knife up and stab him or something like that? There's so many yeah, things in this movie a- that he can just do, but he just drags it out. <laughs> Patrick Swayze, kind of addicted to me more in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I'm gonna, I, I honestly believe half of my notes are, so if he can do this, how come he can't do this? Like there is no explanation as to the physics of what ghosts can do in this movie. I mean, how can he walk on the ground when like ground's solid? Exactly. And- <laughs> he jumps onto a moving train, but he can't touch a woman's face. How are they clothes on his body? (laughs) But forget. Let's just get it out of the way now. He picks a fight later on with Cliff. He's punching him. He's throwing things. He's karate chopping him. And then he says to Demi Moore, "I only wish that I could touch your face." And he needs to possess a woman to do it. Yeah. You just pushed a penny up a door and punched a man in the face, but you can't touch your face. And later on, when the, we almost get some girl-on-girl action, we don't even get to see Whoopi Goldberg macking it on with Demi Moore. You put a superimposed Patrick Swayze there instead. Um, you know that, what? Patrick Swayze, real dick in this movie. Just a dick in general. I take back what I said yeah. before. I don't like you, you know Patrick what? Swayze. <laughs> We're not even sorry you're dead, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Colin said. 
I don't know if I agree with that. I'm sad that he's dead, but well, hold on. <laughs> somebody just pushed me. What was that? No, oh, <laughs> Patrick shit. Swayze's here. Me too. My God, <laughs> what's going on? And Roger Moore's here. You killed me, Ben. Hey. Not illuminating. <laughs> Where'd that turning wheel come from? Where's that clay <laughs> coming from? You want me to do what with you? I hear Unchained Melody. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Stop touching people, Patrick. Um, so he meets an old guy. He has a comment about I'm waiting for my wife to go. He watches another dude die. Um, okay. Then he's at his funeral and, of course, you need to know that this woman he's staring at is a ghost because she walks through a gravestone. Okay. Um <laughs> There's some of this stuff that is just is very odd. Um, we have a giant wake for for him that is you see it for five seconds. And then we get is this the other pottery scene that you're referring to when Demi yeah. Moore is destroying her work <laughs> and she's wearing oh what was the big deal with women wearing overalls in the nineties? That pissed me off in Friends that Phoebe wears overalls so much. Overalls just are not a fashionable thing. Like on a three year old girl. And you're a 12 year old boy to me, and you're wearing, you know, you missed the boat here. I don't get overalls. I might just kind of, I've, I've lumped in a lot. I know we've kind of talked about things separately. Oh, there's a cat. He scares a cat. They go through a box. Yeah. For some reason, uh, Cliff could have gotten a little address book here. He's literally holding it in his hands. And yet, you know, he could have just done a slip of the finger, but no, we've got to have a whole dramatic sequence of Willie coming in. Um, Oh, uh, maybe I'll uh, let's just let's just keep going for a couple of seconds here. You don't mind? Um, Demi Moore gets taken out of the house by Cliff. Uh, Willie comes in, and there's a big dramatic thing. He's trying to find something in the house, so we realise, oh no, maybe he killed. It wasn't just a random act of murder. Uh, Demi Moore is gone for five seconds and comes home. Yeah, what? I do not understand this. Um, I do love Patrick Swayze scaring the cat that, like, jumps up and scratches Willie. Uh, he chases him into the subway. We meet Dr. Kaufman. He goes back to his house. Willie rings up somebody and he's like, oh, yeah, she came home. I didn't get a chance to get it. Doesn't Cliff know that she came home? He was just with her, like, 30 yeah. seconds beforehand. It makes mm-hmm. no sense. Um and then so, uh-oh, plot twist. Clearly he was murdered for some reason, so he needs to find out who. So I'll stop right now on the fact that the only way to find out who is by going to see a psychic, of course. All right. All right. Um, couple things here. Uh, one, <laughs> when they're, I don't know if it was in there in the apartment, you know, moving in, or if it was later when in the Wall Street thing. I think it was when they are in the Wall Street thing. They, um, they, said that they needed to stall for time for whoever their clients were or whatever. says, I'll tell them my Swedish pom-pom girl joke. Oh, uh, yes, I forgot I thought, about that. I'm like, can I find this? Is this thing a thing? I it's not it a thing. It I couldn't just, find it. Yeah, I was really hoping there'd be a Swedish pom-pom girl joke that we could have told everybody on this episode, but there's not. Yeah. Um, can you find any Swedish jokes? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I'm like an eighth Swedish, so I'm allowed to. Uh, I'll keep talking. I'm, I'll find yeah, a I'm Swedish joke. <laughs> hey, look, we we have common ancestry here. You know, we could be brothers. We are brothers. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, I really wanted to know what this thing was. Uh, I, unfortunately, we don't know. <laughs> That's the biggest disappointment of this whole movie. People were walking out of the theaters, starting riots back in 1990 because, like, <laughs> we want the punchline of Swedish pom pom girl joke. I, I found some uh, Swedish but- jokes. If you want them now, or do you want to come back okay, to them? Go for it. Go for it. All right. <clears throat> 
Why don't I've been scan- waiting for this? You have. You've been you've been waiting thirty years for this. Uh, why don't Scandinavians need sugar? Why? Because they're already they already have artificial sweeteners. Um, <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I literally found one joke. I could find one Swedish joke here, and the joke was, "What do you call immigrants in Sweden? Artificial sweeteners." <laughs> Like, apparently the only Swedish jokes there are are artificial sweeteners is the punchline. That's the punchline. Hey, what do you call a Swedish girl with pom-poms? Artificial sweetener? I'm just reading these jokes. Like, this seems to be the norm, that whenever you're bagging out another country, you just imply they're dumb. I When I was in New Zealand, I bought a book. It was New Zealand jokes about Australians. And, like, this, the whole punchline was that Australians are apparently dumb. Now, our jokes about New Zealanders aren't that they're dumb. It's just that they fuck sheep. But, like, this is... <laughs> Like, how does every Swedish joke start by looking over your shoulder? What's the difference between a smart Swede and a unicorn? Nothing. They're both fictional characters. Why wasn't Jesus born in Sweden? He couldn't find three wise men or a virgin. Um, These are the exact same jokes probably in that New Zealand book, because I swear I've heard these before. What? (laughs) This one's dumb. It's so dumb. It's funny. You could you could you could literally say this as a Canadian or an Australian joke. What time was it when the monster ate the prime minister of Sweden? Eight p.m. Oh come on! And one more. I asked my Swedish friend who are the dumbest Scandinavians. He said, "Norway." Am I going to answer that question? Oh <laughs> my goodness! Wow. Um, this is why you didn't tell the joke, because it would have been a huge letdown. Swedish humor, not funny. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, also not funny, coronavirus, because that's literally all I wrote in my notes when he was doing that elevator thing. Is coronavirus <laughs> not funny, man. <laughs> but it, it's it's super inappropriate now. Like, not only does it not age well, it, it actually ages really terrible because he's sitting there coughing and like, oh, oh they're saying I got some terrible, it's very contagious. Oh, oh, and I shouldn't be coming in contact with, oh, excuse me, man. He's putting his hands on. Like, People have actually been charged. Yeah. There have been charges laid against people for making jokes like this in the last couple months. It was like, it was <laughs> like after 9-11, because we always bring it up in every episode, like when people yeah. go on the airport to make bomb jokes, like you, you got arrested. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, totally different context now. I could see that it probably would have been funny in 1990, but mm. not funny anymore. Hilarious. Making uh, jokes about being sick was like peak comedy. Swedish <laughs> comedy clubs filled up with that because that's yeah. the only humor they could. Oh, yeah, I cough on people. <laughs> Artificial sweetener. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was uh, very sweet, Lars. There is one thing I like when they're kind of moving in the apartment or whatever or organizing it um when i love jamie just texted me are you almost done <laughs> not even close <laughs> i reckon we can still do this in half an hour yeah <laughs> right, challenge accepted uh, <laughs> 60 minute rule um so when she's basically saying let's get rid of that chair it's ugly every guy's got the ugly guy chair uh, yeah. or the ugly guy something right the ugly guy i'm the blanket, ugly guy the ugly i just guy. bring myself exactly mallory just found an ugly guy to move in yep she's gonna paint uh, but, me too like, funny story <laughs> but it's just it's it's such a guy thing that i actually kind of appreciated that but she's gonna paint um, the chair like i've got to even mention that yeah. it's a leather chair <laughs> 
<laughs> Paint's going to be chipping all over the place. It's going to be disgusting. Get it reupholstered. Like, I know you're a 12-year-old boy and you haven't got your ma- mind, <laughs> like, as deep puberty. Like, that. as a 12-year-old boy, painting a chair is logical. But, like, reupholster the chair. Get some different leather. Not hard. You're a crafty person. Do it, Demi. 1990, I'm sure that existed. Here's something else that I found really weird. Not, not, not just the plane crash thing, but when he gets up after they have the plane crash conversation, whatever, he finds her doing her pottery or whatever, and he goes, oh, I don't know what it is. I must have passed out. You two were laying in bed at the end of the night getting ready for bed. And he's like, what happened? I think I passed out. It's called going to bed. Why does he have to say I passed out? And they say it's two in the morning right here. You that you went to bed. You woke up in the middle of the night. Why is this passed it's, out? It's Toby Stevens. Then, I don't have time to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the hell um, happened there, Miranda? I fell asleep. And here's where this movie, aside from the fact that Demi Moore looks like a 12-year-old boy, takes on a little <laughs> bit of a homosexual uh, context here. Am I the only one who sees Patrick Swayze jacking off a vase here? Because that's what it looks like to me. I, <laughs> I definitely noticed off. the phallical elements <laughs> to that <Yeah>. clay. <laughs> it's really gross. Um, and they're doing it together. Uh, she looks like a boy. He kind of does. Is <laughs> pottery just, sexy? We really need to ask the big questions here. Like, of all the things, like, you're writing down. Like, if you're a director, you're a writer, you're thinking, like, oh, I want to have this sexy scene. We need to get them to – let's think outside the box. Like, let's get them doing this. Let's get them doing that. Is pottery the go-to there? I mean, I guess it's 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 very smooth. It's elegant. I, I guess I kind of see it over if if she was a painter and she was just brushstroke, brushstroke, or she's you know a woodworker and she's standing, <laughs> well, like chiseling away. Did did pottery artists in nineteen ninety just all of a sudden get laid? Were like you know as soon as this movie was released, were there women oh. knocking on like the New York School of Pottery and meeting like eighty year old John, going, "Oh, do me with your kiln, John." Yeah, guaranteed. There was a huge spike in pottery. Oh, there would have um, surely been. Like that, I, I I don't doubt there would have been some weird upkeep of pottery kilns being sold at like mm-hmm. freaking Bed Bath and Beyond or something like that. I guarantee there was pottery porn after this. Oh. I'm sure you've watched it. <laughs> All right, I'm, keep talking. You know I'm going to Google ghost porn parody. There's got to be one. Oh, yeah, we got to follow in our 2001 footsteps here. Uh, I literally just wrote Charlie Sheen in Wall Street uh, <laughs> because that's what their job is. Uh, the, the ditto thing, Jamie is like, that's so you. Not that I ever say ditto, but she'll be like, I love you. And I'm like, I can only hear it so many times a day. Like, I'm like, we're just having the same conversation. Jamie. So sometimes we'll be like, yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I know. I've literally found the OMG, it's the ghost porn parody, parody cover. Um, <laughs> and literally if you go to uh, pornhub.com, everything comes up with um, Halloween, Sombra gets ghosted, full moon, wandering the ruins, seeking death, porn lust spirit. Porn parody by the old bookmark Ben. Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Sims Four Ghost Quickie. Um, (laughs) You can do this. Ghost fucks redhead scene from Scary Movie Two. Tory Spelling. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, continue. Uh, I'm not on porn. Um. It is weird, though, when he dies that it to me, I don't know whether I feel like this is too early in the movie. To me, it almost feels like it's too late in the movie because you did these bizarre teases of 
oh, he swings out the window. Whoa, I thought he was going to die. And like, again, the audience knows. And I get you're making a movie for audiences that maybe years later aren't going to know. Like, not everybody is going to click on the trailer option on Amazon Prime. They're going to be like, Patrick Swayze, where have I seen him before? Ghost. Oh, this sounds scary. Let me put it on. You want to you know, have some surprises for people who haven't seen all the promotion. But they go through 20 minutes of this movie before they kill him. And it, to me, it just felt like it was too long because nothing that happened up until this point is at all interesting. They have a job. Ugh. Ugh, just a little gas. Sorry. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you really are like gassy to this movie. Just like Whoopi gives me gas. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get this Wall Street thing, which you don't really care about. They're moving an apartment. Don't really care about it. They do the pottery thing. I guess that's the only thing that happens up until this point in the movie. I do like, though, some of the tricks that Jerry Zucker uses here are very effective when this is more of a thriller. Like when he dies, I not only like when he just turns around and sees his body, but I like that he flashes forward to being in the hospital um, and then they flash back. Like there's this weird time jump thing that's happening. It's not just he jumps forward in time. He'll jump forward in time and then he jumps back and he's back on the street with paramedics, you know, it's like his whole timeline's messed up at all over the place. And it's kind of unsettling. I actually really like that trick, but then it just sort of becomes a guy floating around and, you know, not nearly as effective. Um, he misses out on heaven by two seconds. It's unfortunate because it's not like he, he looks at that and says, no, I can't go. He looks and he turns around and looks, is that a dead body there? And then when he turns back, he's like, Oh, they closed the door. Oh, I was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's not like he makes a choice or anything, you know, I, I don't understand it. Um, but yeah, he misses out, I guess. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, the, the old man in the hospital. I mean, this reminded me a lot at this point of uh, a TV show I brought up on here. Uh, Rossi and I actually covered a few episodes of it. The, the first two episodes of a show called Saving Hope, a Canadian show, which is kind of like the sixth sense, the ghost whisper, whatever crossed with ER. But in that there's a doctor who in the first season is in a coma and he can see other dead people around the hospital or whatever. And later on he's back and in his regular body, but he can still see people's spirits as he's operating them on and stuff. Uh, and this kind of reminded me of that just roaming around the hospital, this guy who's just there in the hospital or whatever. Um, the, the, nothing makes sense uh, as far as like the physics of what ghosts can do here because they walk through everything I okay, let's just say there's a rule where, well, if you're walking on the ground, you don't fall through the ground and just fall into the center of the earth. But like he's hopping in cars. There are times where he's following people. They're riding in a car and he gets out of the car with them. I'm like, so you can sit in cars, too. Like, are you levitating yourself in the air? They don't go through any of the physics in this movie. And maybe I'm just nitpicking, but it actually really bothered me because they make a point in this movie to make the physics of being a ghost, such a big part of the plot. Mm. This is how you move things. How did you do that? Oh, when you start walking through walls, you're going to find that's the weirdest. Oh, we can possess bodies. Didn't you know that? The physics are a huge part of this movie. It's a bigger part of the movie than the love story. And there is no explanation as to how it works. Um, yeah, uh, you can move your hand through a person, but doors, the, I think the guy specifically says, doors are a bit of a challenge at first. Walking through a person isn't a challenge, but walking through a door is. Don't understand. Uh, and during the um, the scene where Willie comes in the apartment, uh, all of the – what are you going to call that? His mime fighting, swinging in the air. 
it looks really stupid. <laughs> and Patrick Swayze, this is where he is not a good actor at all. Watch his face in intense scenes. He is a bad facial actor. When he can just sit there looking mysterious and energetic or whatever Jamie called him, uh, he's got a bit of a brooding look to him. But when he's like looking angry or like, I'm going to kill you and swinging through the air and throwing his body all over the place, it looks like a really bad physical comedy sketch like it's it's just it's silly to watch him do this and his facial expressions are ridiculous to look at um do i have anything else here yeah the willy thing doesn't make sense he he had a challenge with the stairs i think he tried to climb up the stairs and he fell through a staircase but i, I don't get that or no he walks up the stairs and yet going through the door was a challenge too uh we haven't gotten to dr kaufman yet have we Oh, uh, yeah, briefly, didn't I? Yeah, no, 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 yeah, I, I mean, did, had, I briefly mentioned him. Yeah, so the the guy on the, the who, when we get to Whoopi Goldberg, I'm going to say the same thing. This is partly why I think I'm saying I really think Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore give bad performances in this movie. Because it's not just Whoopi Goldberg is that good. But Vincent Schiavelli or whatever here, Dr. Kaufman, <laughs> he has so much life and so much energy, again, for a ghost, more life than Demi Moore, <laughs> uh, but he, he just he, he the movie comes alive when he's on screen and the same thing with Demi Moore. And maybe this is where Jerry Zucker had filmed a little bit more of a dark, quirky comedy. But they cut so much out of that because this movie takes a huge tonal shift coming up. But yet the only evidence of this movie having any life to it and not being this you know, really dreary melodrama is this moment here where he's introduced on the train. Get off my train. <laughs> like this belligerent <laughs> drunk. It's He's great. And he's got other great moments coming up later, but yet it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the movie. But I'll give him total props. He's one of the highlights of this movie. I would agree with that. And we talked about him in our Tomorrow Never Dies commentary. Download now via 007 about how much of a highlight. Clearly, we just need to do uh, more of his movies because he's always uh, a really give good. Give him a month. Give... <laughs> Don't know if we go that far. Um <laughs> But we are now going to meet the Academy Award winner from this movie, and we haven't even pointed it out. Ghost was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy mm-hmm. Awards. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that? 1990 is sort of um, notorious for being one of the weakest years for the Academy Awards or just movies in general. I mean, The Godfather 3 got nominated for Best Picture, and even critics – not even comparing it to the first two movies, says The Godfather 3 is not necessarily a good movie. Uh, so I, I can get how it snuck in this year. But when you look at the fact that it got five nominations and visual effects wasn't a category at this point, so let's just say it would have gotten six nominations. I mean, this would have been, this was like Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a movie that just gets nominated for everything, even though it deserves nothing. <laughs> when Dances Sorry. with Wolves won that year, wasn't Dances with Wolves one of those movies that you either loved it or hated, or was it just universally loved? I, I've heard a lot of people I say it's it a bad movie. No, I mean, it's it's definitely a slow burn, but I, I don't think I've ever really heard negative things about it. Uh, I, I personally watched it for the first time a few years ago and thought it was a great movie, um, but it won everything this year. I mean, if you look at the Academy Awards, the only three movies won multiple awards the entire year. Dance the Wolves won seven, D- Dick Tracy won three, and Ghost won two. So Ghost was the third biggest winner at the Oscars this year. It really was the Bohemian Rhapsody. An undeserving movie cleaning up. Madonna being part of a Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, she didn't write the song, but the song that she performed won the Oscar that year. So, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, here she is. I mean, she just quickly, I had to look up who she beat. Actually, I, in all fairness, I also watched her win the, I watched the clip on YouTube. It's quite actually a nice little clip. But, um, 
the only actress I had heard of who she was up against was Annette Benning. I've never heard of Lorraine Bracco. I've never heard of Diane Ladd, and I've never heard of Mary McDonnell. So that's who I I was like, okay, fair enough. Whoopi Goldberg won. Cool. Um, <laughs> but I actually didn't realize she had, well, she was also nominated for The Color Purple. So this was her second nomination. Mm-hmm. So good yeah. on her. And, and an EGOT winner. Uh, and if people aren't, aren't familiar with EGOT, that's the uh, Emmy, Grammy, Tony, and uh, Oscar, basically. Actually, um, even more so this year, not this year, 2020, but 1990 uh, or 91, whatever you want to call it. She became the first actor to ever win a Golden Globe, a Oscar, and a BAFTA for the same category. Oh, so nice. broke ground with this movie. And, and even more impressive when you consider that, yeah, she'd been nominated for an Oscar for The Color Purple, but she was primarily known as a comedian. Yeah, Acting oh, yeah. was the secondary gig for her. She's kind of – she fits in that sort of category to me with Robin Williams where you know them so well for their comedy that you actually don't realize they won an Oscar. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, she deserves like praise because in dramatic role, she's great. Just like Robin Williams. So, and she's, she was the first, uh, African-American woman to be nominated for both the best actress and best supporting actress category as well. So that's a nice little thing. But yeah, for those playing at home, she won a, uh, the Oscar for this, obviously her Grammy for best comedy album, Whoopi Goldberg original Broadway show recording in 1986. She won a Tony award in 2002. She was a producer on thoroughly modern Millie. Great play. That was, um, and an Emmy. She's actually won two, but she completed the EGOT by winning, um, Beyond Tara, The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel in Outstanding Special Class Special, but then would later go on to win a, will co-win an Emmy in 2009 for uh, Best uh, Outstanding Entertainment Talk Show Host for The well, View. So you said she, she played Hattie McDaniel? Uh, I don't know if she played her or she was, yeah, I don't know. I thought you just said she played her in something. Did I say that? Um uh, well, I don't know what I said. I mean, she was the first. She was the first, you know, black actress to win since Hattie McDaniel. But that's what I thought you just said she had literally played her well, in her career. Well, what I'm reading here, she won it. The the Emmy that she won, and again, I don't know if this is her. I don't know what outstanding special class special is. Uh, the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Special Class Special is an Emmy Award given to television programs that do not fall into other established categories. Okay. Um, <laughs> she she won for Beyond Tara, The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel. Oh. So so she was the host of it. I just looked it up. Okay. Oh, there you go. All right. I mean, yeah. but having said that, do the Daytime Emmys count? I mean, no, <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to our Daytime Emmy Award winners listening to this show. But uh, anyway, so great, and own, and this is a competitive EGOT as well. So there's only been what like ten, twelve, because the, people say like, oh, you know, like James L. Jones technically is an EGOT winner, but he only got his Oscar as an a, an honorary award. He never won a mm-hmm. competitive one. So there are, I'm looking here, six people: Barbara Streisand and Liza Minnelli, two of the people on this list. Harry Belafonte as well. Quincy Jones, Alan Menken, big names who only ever got three in the competitive side of things. But, uh, you know, Quincy Jones, for example, won an honorary Oscar. Uh, Harry Belafonte, also an honorary Oscar. Uh, So, yeah, anyway. Great. Whoopi Goldberg. I just think that's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg's an EGOT winner. Good for her. Anyway, here she is, (laughs) the the star of this movie. Uh, She's basically a psychic who is faking but soon won't be faking. Oda Mae Brown is her name. 
I actually didn't realize Odame was two words. I thought Odame was like one name. Um, I love kind of the the show she puts on though. Like when she comes out of like this yeah, cupboard and she's like, it's like a wrestling entrance. And she's obviously faking this like psychic ability to this woman. And then she all of a sudden realizes that she can hear Patrick Swayze. He basically tells her that she's got a ring to me more. Again, we're all using their actors' names. We don't care about their characters' names. <laughs> Except for Cliff. Except for Cliff. Who cares about Cliff? Um, he he ring she rings up Demi Moore and is all like, oh, Sam has a message. And of course, Demi Moore's not gonna believe her. Um she ends up going to her house and, you know, basically begging her to listen to her. And the thing that I don't, okay, I get, like, you know, Patrick Swayze's here, like, tell her this, tell her that, tell her about the photo, tell her this, tell her that. Now, let's be realistic. If this happened to either one of us, and I'm going to be sceptical, even if they're telling me things that I know only that person would know, I'm then going to be going to Whoopi Goldberg, okay, ask her the following, only she would know the answer to this. Yeah. Exactly. Like, because she could have just done some super big research. There could have been a, I mean, who knows? Like, Demi Moore, uh, Patrick Sazer could have faked his death and then basically pretended and then told her, like, you know, get her on side. Like, I'm sure it's happened before. There are scam artists out there. And, again, maybe what you could have done in this is because you kind of imply that Whoopi Goldberg is a scam artist, so clearly she could be lying with this. Add a bit of an element to the story that maybe this is what the police believe, that maybe Patrick Swayze's faked his death and this is what's happening to, you know, swindle the amount of money or something like that. But mm-hmm. literally, Patrick Swayze, I mean, Demi Moore, say things like, how many times did we eat cheese on that one date in Vegas? You know, like literally go out of the way to ask questions yeah. off the cusp. That's what you should be doing here. Stupid. With any psychic. Stupid Just for Demi those Moore. of you out there who are... <laughs> visiting psychics this week. Yes. <laughs> Plenty of you, I'm sure, do. Um, so, yes, this leads kind of to a, a a fun little scene where, you know, Patrick Swayze is like, ask her this, ask her that. But, like, you're right. Like, Whoopi Goldberg just steals every scene she's in. She owns every scene she's in. And I, I love Whoopi Goldberg. I said this last week. I think that I would watch basically any movie with her in it. I don't think she really – when was the last movie she did? Because, like, she's obviously more of a host now on The View. I think – I don't know if she's retired from acting or anything like that, but she hasn't done anything in a long time. But Whoopi Goldberg, still an amazing person. Um, yeah, is this where Demi Moore goes to the cops? Uh, oh, no, mm. Cliff comes over um, and has a chat. Oh, this is oh yeah, and this is where Patrick Swayze finds out that Cliff is evil, because basically <laughs> Patrick Swayze has told Whoopi Goldberg to give Demi Moore an address to look up Willie. So Demi Moore goes, "No, you do it, Cliff." So then Patrick Swayze follows Cliff to this apartment, and then plot twist—they know each other. <gasps> no, you you don't say. And yeah, you're right. Patrick Swayze's dramatic acting. With his facial yeah. expressions. He looks like he's like holding in a fart or something like that. <laughs> um, not great. Demi Moore goes to the cops and she's shocked that these cops don't believe her. <laughs> you are going to the cops and saying, a psychic came to me and said that my dead boyfriend's ghost is saying that somebody was murdered. I'm sure that any cop would believe you. Of course they would. They've got nothing else to worry about. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Cliff breaks in, steals the the... Book. I should mention the the plot, the reason why he was killed because Cliff wanted a code, is it a Mac code or something, to access these funds from that money that was too much beforehand because Cliff 
owes money to drug dealers or he's like laundering <sighs> money or like it's not properly it's, explained. Yeah, it's really poorly written. <laughs> I read it on Wikipedia to fully clarify it, I will be <laughs> honest. But there's I, I know there's something about drug dealers in the movie. Okay. So Cliff gets the code. We're gonna see him ring up his drug dealer later on, basically to say, I've got the money for you. They go into this elaborate thing of, oh, transfer it to the Bank of Nassau at this point. Your name's this. Why does it have to be at like five minutes before closing time? Can't you just do it right now? What does it matter? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, this is kind of some of the stuff in this movie that is just a bit odd. Demi Moore pushes the jar over the thing and it breaks with the penny in it. Oh, sad. Cliff comes over and spills coffee on himself to try and fuck Demi Moore. <laughs> so bad. Why? Um, and the thing is, though, like we talk about Patrick Swayze being a bit of a horrible person in this movie to get revenge. I'm sorry, Demi Moore. You didn't back away from this kiss until the frame was knocked on the ground. You were totally yeah. doing Cliff at this moment until that frame broke. Like, and it's look at yourself well, in the we- mirror to me more before you judge Cliff. This is partly why I'm saying I don't really buy that these two are that in love or devoted to each other because we don't see, we barely see them interact in this movie. Where we do, it's not like they have great chemistry. And then the way that the story's written, he seems to be focused more on, you know, uh, catching his own killers, and she's focusing more on moving on to the next shirtless man she sees. She's Jamie when you die, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so heartbroken over Colin. Oh, you spill coffee on yourself, do me. Um, so this is, yeah, so Patrick Swayze's knocked over the frame. He realises, oh, look at this. I can push things with my ghost skin. Um, so he thinks the only way I'm going to find out what I can do is, hey, I'm going to find Dr. Kaufman on the train. Now, I'm so glad New York has very limited subway carriages and it's pretty easy to just find someone on a train. I mean, gosh, I mean, I've been to New York. They've only got two subway carriages. Very convenient for the plot of this movie. Um, He jumps on the train, meets Dr. Kaufman. I told you to get off my train. I'll have to say, he does have a very, like, evil face. He almost looks like he could play the penguin in Batman or something like that, Vincent Schiavelli. He's got, like, a great look about him. Um, They get into a fight. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. Teach me what to do. He eventually teaches him that you've got to put all emotions away and then just push things, and he eventually does it. Cool. Um, so, yeah, Patrick Swayze has a new power. Uh, I am going to let you talk in a minute. Uh, <laughs> he goes back to see Whoopi Goldberg, who now all of a sudden realises that her ability, she can actually hear all the ghosts because he goes back to this room and there's like 30 ghosts in this room wanting to speak to people. We see uh, one guy jump into Whoopi Goldberg and he has the ability to form her because that's not going to play part in the plot later on. Okay, and we also find out that doing it makes the ghost weak. Why? It's a ghost. Um, <laughs> Willie shows up. Doesn't make sense. He, he gets angry. He shoots at Whoopi Goldberg a few times <laughs> through a fairly thin wooden door and somehow misses. Um, it's a magic I mean, door. It is a magic door. What's his face? Oscar's, Oscar Pistorius, whatever that South African dude, shot his wife yeah. in a different room. Um, <laughs> allegedly a mistake. Um, so then Patrick Swayze's idea is, hey, let's go withdraw the money because you can pretend to be this fake name. What's a fake name? Patricia something or? Rita Miller. Rita <laughs> Patricia. <yeah. laughs> 
very close. Um, so she goes through this elaborate thing of like getting the money out into a check because again, banks in 1990, all you needed to withdraw four million dollars and close an account was a driver's <laughs> license. Holy crap! It was easy to steal people's money. Um, <laughs> I love Whoopi Goldberg in this scene, though. I just love the way she kind of plays. She's like, $4 million! Uh, <laughs> the way she goes on with that. Um, for some reason, Demi Moore's at the bank. That is that even explained why she's uh-huh. at the bank that day? Like, what? Makes no sense. Um, and it all essentially leads to Whoopi Goldberg being forced to donate the money to nuns. Now, was this before or after Sister Act? Was this a deliberate thing? or Before. Before. Okay, so clearly she decided to take on the role in Sister Act from this one scene in Ghost. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand, like, why does she have to give that money away? Because, like, just because she donates $4 million to a charity doesn't mean that money still isn't traceable if somebody claims it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's still going to be written to a check and all of a sudden with a bit of research they're going to be like, well, hang on a minute, the nun's sisterhood of Manhattan got a $4 million donation and do the nuns all of a sudden just go... Oh, cool, $4 million. Well, that's a standard donation, you know. We're just going to not look up this person, Rita Miller, to thank them at all. Like, we'll just put well, it in the sure kitty. make sure it's a valid check. Like, yeah, it's exactly. the check forgery is a thing. A nun gets handed a $4 million check by somebody who's talking to themselves in the street. They're not going to be researching that? And they're going to believe it? Like, okay. Yeah. But, like, why couldn't she just keep the money? Because at the end of the day, freaking Patrick Swayze gets – Cliff dead and Willie dead. So the only people connected to this theft of money are dead. So his explanation is like, you don't want that. It's blood money. It's drug money. Give it to the nuns. (laughs) Why? And like, this is also says, as long as you have that check, they're going to be coming to kill you again. Give it to the nuns. They deserve to die, apparently. And also, this is coming from a woman who 10 minutes ago was like, don't say the Lord's name in vain. I'm leaving. If you keep saying Jesus' name in vain. Yeah. And now she gives <laughs> formerly of blood money to nuns? <laughs> <laughs> I think Jesus is going to be more forgiving for you saying his name in vain than giving so-called blood money to nuns. <laughs> We're going to die as soon as everybody else figures out. With- and this was somebody's money. Like, this isn't just, oh, we just found this money somewhere. It's somebody's money. Somebody is missing this money. Whoopi Goldberg's going to jail as soon as this movie's over. Well, that's actually a very valid point you make. Patrick Swayze (laughs) discovers an account has more money in it. Okay, so, like, let's say it's the Japanese investors. They've accidentally donated a bit more. Like, okay, we've all transferred money to a bank account or something. We've all gone, oh, fuck, I gave them $20 more than I should have. Oh, well. Like, I've paid bills, right? And I've gone, okay, I owe $50. So I transfer $50. And then I realize, oh, actually, I only owed $30. Shit, I've transferred them more money. I don't need that $20 mm-hmm. back. But, like, if I accidentally transferred $4 million more to my <laughs> phone company, <laughs> going to want that money back. So, like, you're right. There's some rich Wall Street guy, the Testarossa owner. It's the Ferrari guy. Let's be honest. That's the symbolism and the connection to this plot. He's, he's chasing this money. Like, he wants and his $4 million back. Realistically, if they're investors, this is probably like 10 different people's money. So yeah. now you got a bunch of people who are down, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars all because he wanted to get revenge on the guy who killed him. Somebody is still losing money here. This is not an innocent crime you just committed. This this is Enron. This is why Enron went bankrupt. It's not because he had dodgy Forget investors. That. They lost their money because Do- of a woman donating it to the nuns. 2008 financial crisis, Patrick Swayze's fall. I'm calling <laughs> But, like, this is, again, a simple plot change. You need to have Cliff, who is maybe 
taking this money and laundering it. And maybe this is what it's meant to be. Maybe like it's it's dealing with laundering money. Mm-hmm. So literally, this is maybe what it's meant to be, and it's just not explained that this is money that Cliff has gotten and he's laundered it to make it look like. So okay. Maybe we've just solved it. I'm guessing that's probably what it's meant to be because otherwise it makes no sense. Patrick Swayze, as we've just discovered, has discovered it. Okay, and also put some more blame on Patrick Swayze though, right? He's sat there all day (laughs) and he's found this and he's just going to keep investigating it, pick up the phone, Mm -hmm. hey, Johnson & Johnson law firm, just discovered you've got an extra $4 million in your account. Would you like me to look into this for you? Don't just assume that you're going to fix it yourself. Like, do your job, Patrick Swayze. Do If you show your work and you did some show stuff. Show your work. You would <laughs> fix this problem and you wouldn't be dead. You're like, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Patrick Swayze, you getting murdered, it's your own fault. You were asking for it, okay? You deserve to die in ghosts, not in real life. That was Colin's comment, not me. <laughs> Nothing against you. Don't haunt me. Uh, Sure. Um, Yeah, there's ghosts and um, is this about? (laughs) No, I wanted to. um, This is a bit where Sarah, uh, what's his, no, uh, Cliff um, is in the office and he realises the money's (laughs) gone and then Patrick Swayze types murderer, murderer, murderer on the computer. Again, Patrick Swayze, you're only yourself to blame for Demi Moore getting into trouble. Fucking pick up a glass and cut his throat right now or do something else. You're taunting him to make him mad. Like, literally, by typing your name on this computer, he now knows it's you. If you didn't do anything, he's not in any way going to suspect it's got anything to do with you, is he? So Demi Moore is not in danger. Only yourself to blame, Patrick Swayze. Even more so than that. Why does he get to go to heaven in the end? We get that Cliff goes to hell because he laundered money, I guess. He didn't ask for his friend to be murdered. I'm not saying it was a good thing. We're not defending. I'm not going to defend Tony Goldwyn of all people, okay? (laughs) You did this this last week or the other week. You defended uh, bad people as long as they're good fathers. And let's be honest, Cliff, not a good person because he's not a father. There we go. We've established that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I'm not defending him, but I'm saying his crime was not murdering a person. His crime was laundering money, let's say. His crime was... Paying to get his friend mugged. He didn't ask for him to be killed. He specifically didn't want it. And then trying to cover it up. Patrick Swayze, even as a ghost, has the ability through the psychic to report this to the police, to report it to the – forget about the police. The police may not you know, believe you. You think if you're going to go to this bank and you're going to say somebody's laundering money in this account, I need you to look into it and take care of it. Tony Goldwyn, Cliff, he gets fired. He loses his job. Everybody saved in the end. And, and... Patrick Swayze goes to the great lengths to physically interact with these people until they are both dead. He kills... Uh, what's his name? Not Cliff. Uh, the other guy. Um, the, yeah. Willie. 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 Willie kills one person in this movie. Patrick Swayze kills two. Why is Patrick Swayze not going to hell in the end? And can I just add... That Patrick Swayze goes with Demi Moore to the cops and she's all like, oh, this is what I was told in a ghost, all this kind of stuff. Like, type on the computer screen of the cops going, she's telling the truth, I'm a ghost. Exactly. 
<laughs> but you have to murder people. He's a murderer in this movie. Oh, we're so good at this show. Let's be honest. We are the best <laughs> because, like, we can get any movie and actually find the truth behind everything. Like, no movie is safe on the Oz Network. We will find, like, the Gandhi movie and say that Gandhi actually was a dick. <laughs> Uh, I'm very tempted to make a t-shirt in the ghost font that just says murderer instead of ghost. (laughs) I don't know if you're walking down the street wearing a t-shirt saying murderer would go down very well. I don't think many people want murderer. This is 2020. People take things way too seriously and go way too over the top with things. So I think you might be in trouble. I'd like to board this plane. What does your shirt say, sir? Murderer? Oh, come on in. You can go first class. Um, but let's talk about some of the good stuff here because there is a lot of stuff I actually really like here. Um, Whoopi Goldberg is so good in this movie that I I hadn't seen this in a long time. Again, like you, I'm a Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg is in anything. She's enjoyable, right? Yeah. But because I hadn't seen this in a long time, I always sort of thought, well, why did she win? Is this one of these things where they kind of just give the Oscar to somebody because it's different? Like when Johnny Depp got nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean, nobody looks back now and says that was an Oscar-worthy performance. They're like, well, that was Johnny Depp being Johnny Depp. And maybe it was just nobody had really seen Whoopi Goldberg on this big of a stage doing her thing, being funny as opposed to being serious in color purple or whatever. Here she's really just being herself and people are just so blown away by it. But she legitimately, I think, deserved the Oscar for this movie. Her dramatic scenes are solid. Her comedic scenes are absolutely brilliant. And she has a way in this movie of interacting with Patrick Swayze that nobody else does, that Demi Moore does not get, okay? When you watch Demi Moore on screen and Patrick Swayze there, even when Demi Moore doesn't realize he's there, you feel like Demi Moore is intentionally avoiding eye contact with Patrick Swayze because he's a ghost. He's not supposed to be there. Whoopi Goldberg is talking to him and constantly looks like somebody who doesn't know where he is, which is true. She knows there's a presence there, but because she can't see him, the way that her eyes wander around the screen is it's like acting magic. Like she's incredible in the way she interacts with a guy who is there pretending he isn't there. And another reason why I think Demi Moore is so bad in this movie, because whenever she's in a scene with ghost Patrick Swayze, she looks like somebody who's trying to avoid touching looking at or breathing on Patrick Swayze, and it's just so painfully obvious. Whoopi Goldberg, totally different story. The way that she does her psychic con game is so good, too, uh, where she's like, oh, uh, what was the woman's name? Anna. No? Consuela. No. Uh, Josephina. She's literally just guessing, which is what psychics do. I mean, they they just read people. It's exactly (laughs) the cop explains it. It's the way the cop explains it later on, you know? You get one detail, but... When she's, uh, it's quite clever. It's not just funny, but it's actually quite clever. The little details of how she played this, where it's quite convincing when he says, oh, I see him right now. I see your husband. He's right in front of me. It's like, really? How does he look? Oh, he's a handsome man. And the wife goes, what? Handsome? (laughs) uh, In in God's eyes, we're all handsome. Matt Mallory's exact reaction, her going to a psychic when I die. yeah. Yeah. When Ben's dead, she goes to a second. Oh, what a handsome man. She goes, that's not Ben. (laughs) (laughs) That must be Patrick Swayze. That's not Ben. (laughs) On a glover or somebody. Uh, but like, she's actually very convincing these scenes. And then when she keeps hearing the voice, just how authentic she seems where she's freaked out. She's like, who keeps saying that? What is that? The way that her sisters react to, I'm assuming they're her sisters because they live together too. It's, I like that she lives in her place of business, which is 
a house right here and later on it's an apartment which is really funny like the set changes yeah but her sisters they're hearing her talk to her and at one point she says what you sound white and they go white we better call a doctor. <laughs> She's hearing. <laughs> it was when they actually said, white, let's call a doctor. She's not well. <laughs> and it was the same thing like when Whoopi uh, meets Demi Moore later on. She, she's like, she picked up the pictures. Oh, he's cute. He's white, but he's cute. <laughs> Casual racism here. <laughs> Pretty good. Um and of course, you, the, that I am the Henry VIII thing. Like Patrick Swayze's pretty funny too. Like I, I'm going to give it to him when he's in the scene. This is why I also say no real chemistry with Demi Moore because he's having fun in his scenes with Whoopi Goldberg. And I'm not just saying because their scenes are fun and it's it's melodrama for the Demi Moore scenes. That serious scenes with Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze is like alive. He he has life to him. He's energetic. He's everything Jamie wants in a man. You know, <laughs> alive. He, yes. He's just, he seems like somebody who really is into the moment and into the scene. And he's not like that in the scenes with Demi Moore. It's like two different performances. Uh, the I am the Henry VIII thing. He's the funny one in that scene. So, you know, he, like I said, he's got moments in this movie that's really good. Uh, when she's trying to convince her um, and he's basically saying, tell her this. He's like, oh, why don't I tell her my own words? OK. And she's like, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> he just said, you're in danger. I'll say it in my own words. And all she does is add the word girl on the end. <laughs> you're yeah. in danger, girl. And then uh, it's like there's a guy named Willie Lopez. There's a man trying to kill you. His name's Willie Lopez. And then she throws in there, he's Puerto Rican. He didn't say he's Puerto Rican, so again, racially profiling. <laughs> I don't get that. Like, I really don't understand that bit at all. He's just like, she hears the word Lopez. And, oh, he's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican, yeah. Uh, but when she loses on the end, she has that line, have a nice life, have, have a nice death, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you buy that she's a con artist and really doesn't care at this point. And I, I like that she doesn't really have a big emotional journey where she becomes a better person. When she can suddenly start talking to real ghosts, she's like, pack them all in the room at the same time. Let's clean up. Start counting the cash. you know? Because <laughs> when he comes back later, I don't know if you even got to that scene or not. Um, but when he comes back later, you did get to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you didn't, we're covering it now. Cool. And it's like all... Sam, is that you? It's like, look what you did to me. There's all these people here, but you're charging admission, so you don't mind that much. <laughs> but what really doesn't make sense is he convinces her to help him again with the bank stuff and and says, if you help me, I will make all these people go away. And they never follow up on that at all. <laughs> so again, he's making empty promises, further adding to what a terrible person Patrick Swayze is in this movie. Because yep. she's still going to be haunted by all these ghosts. He's not convinced. He's gone. He's not convincing anybody to leave at all. Um, yeah, when he follows Cliff there, this is the scene where he's riding in the car. <laughs> Still having trouble interacting with environments, apparently. Um, the fact that it's all just codes from a computer. Like, I think this is the first we even heard about it when he Cliff goes and meets <laughs> Willie here. You were just supposed to steal his wallet. Again, not saying Cliff's an innocent person, but he didn't want the man to die. Patrick Swayze killed two men with his bare hands as a ghost. Uh, there's also, I don't know if you notice, a lot of Pepsi that pops up in this movie. Like, more yes. Pepsi than in Twister. <laughs> like, heavy product placement Which, here. I mean, come on now. Uh, Pepsi, get off. Yeah, you know, it should be like Fanta. Now, Coke. there's a drink. <laughs> Pepsi. No one likes pe Who drinks Pepsi? Stop making Pepsi a thing, world. Yeah, it's, it's just in the movies. It's not real. <laughs> uh, it's like Sweden. Um, 
<laughs> exactly. And also Pepsi, not funny, like sweets. Yes. Uh, the train jumping sequence is actually really cool. Like another moment where this movie just does this huge tonal shift. It was sappy melodrama and then it was comedy and now all of a sudden it's a suspense thriller and with supernatural elements but the way that he's jumping from train to train even like the logic you set up there's apparently only two trains that run in new york and he guessed it <laughs> got on the second try the the way that it looks in the music like uh, the music too we should mention this got nominated for original score it actually has a pretty good score i wouldn't say it's a great score but the composer maurice jarre who i already mentioned did lawrence of arabia dr Zhivago. uh this is like a classic film composer and this is pretty much his last big movie he did i mean he he was alive for a while after this but you know he's sort of taken on much smaller obscure projects and this gets nominated for academy award for best original score i don't know what won that year but i'll at least give it it's a strong score especially Dances in this train wolves. sequence here john barry of course that it had our bond man so you deserve to lose maurice jarre is this the only oscar <laughs> you know, john barry ever won um one probably i think he was nominated for king kong of all things the 70s one or yeah the 70s king kong oh right okay we can research um Um, no he okay he will he actually won a few he won a born free i love that movie um (laughs) the lion in the winter out of africa and then dances with wolves and then he was nominated for so he won everything yeah, yeah. He in won fact, a lot. at the time, at the time he won for Dances with Wolves, it was a six nomination, and he only lost once. Yeah, <laughs> was it the only one he won? Clearly, as Bond podcasters, we're big John Barry fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the train jumping thing and this train guy, just like Whoopi Goldberg, so strong in this movie. There's moments where he's actually really scary. There's moments where he's funny. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about him kicking the can. Uh, yeah. It's he kicked a can. Again, the logic, I, I like the way the scene plays. And this is one of those few scenes in the movie I said that when it came up, I'm like, I remember this. But then I start picking it apart. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, you sure you can interact with these environments, but you're already interacting with an environment. You are not falling through the platform that you're standing on. So why is this a trick you have to learn? But for effect in the movie, dramatic effect, I actually really like that he has this moment where it's like, I gotta learn how to fight, you know? Because <laughs> I want the tough guy in the movies. I want point break, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> uh, but this train guy just completely nuts. Great. When all of a sudden he's like, Who are you? What are you doing here? After he's had like a 20 minute conversation with him. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you talked about it or not, but yeah, when he goes and finds Whoopi with all the ghosts in there and that guy jumps in the body and it's like he's like you know that you're tired i think you did mention that it tires you out that that is like the most painfully obvious setup yeah ever because the guy just don't you everybody knows that when you jump in a person it tires you out i don't think everybody knows that because <laughs> nobody else has tried it but uh the the way that um that when he does jump in Whoopi's body that other guy and uh, he's like, what did you do to your hair or whatever? She, you like it? And what did she say? It's it's autumn sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, again, such a weird movie because it's a really funny scene that could play in a comedy. And there are other movies that will have comic moments like this. But this movie will go from really dark scene. Cliff is the villain sobbing on the floor. I can't believe you killed me. You're my best friend. To, I need to learn how to fight. And it's a supernatural you know, action movie thriller. And then this is like playing laugh after laugh after laugh in this scene. Like it's not just one laugh. It's, it's like, 
five minutes of straight laughs. But still, I mean, I can't help but enjoy it when you got these great characters, you know, like like Train Guy and Whoopi. Train Guy and Whoopi, the sequel that never happened. <laughs> the buddy cop. Do you have anything to add on the banking section or? The bank, which banking section? Did we the, get to when yeah. Whoopi, Whoopi went into yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're almost at the end of the movie. Good. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, are you done yet? Getting closer. Okay. <laughs> funny funny story. <laughs> she often says that to you during coitus as well. But <laughs> by the time she uh, gets to the word the, you are done. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Noah oh, wishes pregnant. he could hear those words, but never had a date. So let's uh, let's take a bit brief pause for a moment and uh, fulfill what we promised a few weeks ago when we did 2012. We eventually did ask Noah if he would go on a date with Amanda ah, Pete. Yes, no, yes. Sent picture. I have to say, probably one of the more attractive pictures you could find of Amanda oh, Pete. She didn't look. No. It was it was it was not a bad picture. You More basically say, picture. Noah, interested? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> Had no clue who it was, just said, not interested. <laughs> I, I, think you, I think you're underselling the story there, Colin. Let's, let's, I'm going to read this verbatim to actually what was yeah, said. Let's go verbatim. Let's clue, All right. clue people into the private of their hosts. The picture of Amanda Pete followed, I just said, interested Noah. He replies, huh? And then I write, would you date her? He says, no question mark do i say case in point noah says i'm confused to which i replied she has that effect on people and you replied she's a new hannah stokely and i said that's an insult to hannah stokely noah replies in jokes are rude i said listen to the show once in a while you'll feel cool noah says i'm personally not a fan of the Oz network i say you are not the only one colin says too racist for my taste too i say it's disgusting especially in today's climate to which uh you replied with the fact that jamie had made a quiche Uh (laughs) which was a different day different conversation (laughs) that's a hilarious conversation you know what we're going to do from now on, whenever we're doing a movie that we're not particularly big fans of, we're just going to read you excerpts of our group chat. <laughs> and what are you we'll doing? put them nothing. in a compilation. The yeah. end. Nothing. Had a date yet this Next week? <laughs> Demi Moore is a boy. Noah, interested? Huh? <laughs> I think every week your new job is to literally message our group, go, had a date this week yet, Noah? <laughs> <laughs> had a date this week, Noah? <laughs> and my, then you can just you can just respond back and say, "Gotten engaged again this week, Ben." <laughs> Had another Doubled baby, Colin. Speak, Colin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the in jokes of of our trio: engagements, not having a date, and having children. The end. <laughs> um. Yeah, anything uh, out on no, the... I, just want, uh, I don't know, go, go. I don't know where yeah, the fuck we are at. God, yeah, he's a ghost. Really enjoying this part of the movie. If if this was intended to be a quirky comedy and in post-production, the studio was suddenly like, I think that we need to make it darker. I think that we need to, you know, put more of a love story in there. And they just simply cut out all those jokes from the beginning and the end of the movie because it, it feels like a different movie here, but it's a movie I enjoy. When she's in the bank and, and the way that she's just changing her voice, like, hi, I'm Rita Miller. <laughs> and then when she's signing her name and he, nobody's looking, like the audience sees her signing Odame Brown and he's not even looking. All of a sudden it's like, it's like, your name is Rita Miller. It's like, oh, could you get me another one? I signed the wrong name. <laughs> and the lady's just like, okay, here you go. Uh, and then when they're upstairs later on, like the, I, I like the little twist of, 
this is what I want. I want a TV show of ghosts. They apparently had this in development at one point. And this convinces me this would make a great TV show because he's like, okay, so what's the, the adventure this week? All right. So here's a guy I know. Now you can get in and talk to this important guy at the bank. And all you got to do is mention this one party where he got really drunk and he's going to be so embarrassed. He'll talk to you and he'll never admit that he doesn't remember you. It's a cool way that using his ghost power would get her in there. And I wish that they had more interaction. They should have made this more interactions with Whoopi and, and Swayze. Because uh, then the way she plays off of it where, you know, he's like, sign your name. And your name is Rita Miller. <laughs> and then she's like, Rita Miller. That's my name. My name is Rita Miller. <laughs> Sounds like the Simpsons. So good. Yeah. Uh, and then when the guy asks her, this is also the scene uh, when they, they go into the bank and he's saying to her, it's like, okay, what you need to do is like, she's like, why are you whispering? You're a ghost. <laughs> I like the bank manager then, guy too. He's funny. The, the guy who got drunk at the party? Yeah. Lyle or whatever his well, name is. Yeah. Lyle Ferguson. <laughs> Such a bank um, person's name. Oh, it's as bad as Phil. Uh, Cliff, what's the name? <laughs> I forgot. We're Hello to all our fields listening. Can we just put out? I've just looked up this Bruce Jarchow is this guy's name. He apparently was in Outbreak. Who was he in Outbreak? He was Dr. Muskelly. Which one was Dr. Muskelly? Oh, uh, one of those doctors, remember? Oh, really? That's it? <laughs> <laughs> one of those. Oh, I would have never guessed if it wasn't for you telling me that he was one of those doctors. <laughs> I just love your response straight away. Which one was he? Oh, one of the doctors. One of the doctors, remember? <laughs> Best um, answer the, ever. Uh, this scene here where she says, uh, oh, it's just gas. I get a little gassy from time to time. <laughs> Her over-explaining. And then when uh, he says, okay, so there's $4 million that we are withdrawing from your account. And she's like completely floored. It's like, $4 million. It's like, how would you like us to make that out? She's like, Tens and twenties, and he's like, "No, a cashier's check." <laughs> I also love that um, when when she's about to get the check, and she's kind of like her hands are shaking, and she's like, "Give me the money, yeah. give me the money." Yeah. Which they reverse that when she's giving it to the nuns, where she won't let go of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way that, that Demi Moore narrowly misses her here, like again, I like Patrick Swayze using his powers. How am I going to cause a distraction? Let me tip this over. It would have been better if he did not cause a distraction, though. And maybe if he had just taken those extra few seconds to say, turn your back, she's walking towards you. Because he causes a disruption, which catches Whoopi Goldberg off guard, which makes her jump out of her chair, which catches Demi Moore's attention. So again, all Patrick Swayze's fault in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then the one line she has where she's giving it up to the nuns, too. Uh, where she says, what does she need $4 million for? She can't even buy underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, $4 million worth of underwear. Wow. Um, So we are now at the end of the movie. Oh, actually, I just realized something. Demi Moore's haircut, I'm going, it reminds me of something. What does it remind me of? Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) Got to say that Lloyd Christmas's haircut in Dumb and Dumber was modelled off Demi Moore in Ghost. Yeah, and, and probably still sexier than Demi Moore in oh, this movie. <laughs> absolutely. Again, Jim Carrey brings the humour, like, much more sexier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even Jim Carrey in Man in the Moon or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a funny movie. Um, not that one. What's the thinking of? The Majestic or whatever the hell those dramatic oh, ones yeah. that it weren't very good. And I'm not 43. Um, so, yeah. 
basically now the whole end of the movie is Cliff and Willie going after Demi Moore because Patrick Swayze essentially invited them to. Um, Cliff dies. We see him getting transported to hell, which is, oh, no, that's not going to come back and play any part into it. Um, cool. Um, Whoopi Goldberg tries to save Demi Moore by going, oh, look, he's real. Believe me, he's going to push a penny up the door. And that, like, can't he just get a pad and paper and write, hi, Demi, it's yeah. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, exactly. Whoopi Goldberg's <laughs> telling the truth. Ditto. All you need to do, my friend. Like, and like, if I see a penny floating in front of me, I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, there's a ghost. I'm going to be like, oh, my God, Whoopi Goldberg can use a force. Um, and, like, or- they're, they're trying to make this penny such a thing in this movie because they even had the scene where the penny in the jar, she throws it down the stairs. They moved into this apartment, like, what, two days before he was killed? Yeah. This penny means nothing to their relationship. Why does the penny get more screen time than they do together? Because it's it's symbolism, Colin. It's also, you know, okay. Um, they were two steps away from having Patrick Swayze jack off the penny. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I just said that, but apparently I would. Um, and I'm cheap. I don't like paying for things. Um, so, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's why I go to Pornhub. I don't buy porn. Stop talking to yourself, Ben. Talk about the movie. Um, Who I'm said Whoopi that? Goldberg. I'm Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> ben Waterworth, that's my name. I seriously have something wrong with me. Like, I honestly should get help. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Um... There's a floating penny, people. This is what this does to me. Um, <laughs> I can't talk. Um, we're about to watch Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore basically have a slow dance together. Um, <laughs> which, which, I'm sorry, this scene is legitimately like it's meant to be a sweet scene. And, again, this goes back to my point where, like, the romantic scenes are kind of actually sweet and they kind of do aim for that gut punch like oh because you know we're seeing like Demi Moore here and having the slow dance and you're kind of like oh that's so sweet like they're so in love and oh like it actually works but the whole time I'm watching this going show us the real scene this is Whoopi Goldberg like (laughs) macking it on with Demi Moore I want to see this on my screen (laughs) like this is legitimately what is happening right now so yeah it's kind of odd and this is all interrupted by Cliff banging on the door which again like, had you not fucked this up, Patrick Swayze, I'm sure we would have missed a scene of, like, literally Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore having sex. Like, that is, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, what would have happened next. This all ends into the big end chase sequence where Patrick Swayze has lost his powers of being a ghost. That's his only powers because he went into Whoopi Goldberg. Um, like, could you not just permanently live in a person and just never leave them? Like, could you just, like, go into... I don't know who was cool in 1990. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Could you not just like jump into Kevin Eddie Costner? Murphy's? Ke- Kevin Costner. I'd rather Eddie Murphy, <laughs> but you go for Kevin Costner. You racist. Um, I'm in. I'm in Eddie Murphy's body. Could I just not permanently be Eddie Murphy? Do I ever have to leave Eddie Murphy? Probably not. Well, I, it's a question because I thought the scene where the guy jumps in there and talks to his wife, I thought that Whoopi Goldberg somehow had like forced him out. But again, they don't make it clear in the movie. And it, it seems to do nothing to her. Like she doesn't react. I would think if anybody's physically drained by this, it's not going to be a ghost. It's going to be the person you just possessed. And can you not just go and get a dead body? 
and possess a dead body? Like, could he not find his own dead body and get inside yeah. his own dead body? Like, explain a throwaway line where you're like, it can only accommodate the living. Like, because then Patrick says he could be alive again. Just accommodate a dead body. You you don't yeah. explain your ghost powers very well in this movie. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so there's a chase. Uh, Cliff gets sharded by glass because... Sure, that's the way you need to kill him off. And then he goes to hell too. And, again, I'm kind of with you. I don't think he really deserved to go to hell. He didn't actually kill anyone in this movie, did Cliff? Um, Patrick Sweezy did. (laughs) Exactly. And then this is all going to end with a, oh, you know, I'm going to heaven. And the end. Um, Can I just point out, Cliff, Cliff a bit dumb. Why is he pointing a gun to Demi Moore going, I'll do it, I'll kill her. He's a ghost. You don't know where he is. He literally does the one thing that he should do, knock the gun out of your hand. Just fucking Mm -hmm. shoot her. Just literally pick up the gun, bang. Fuck you for stealing my money. Going now. But you know know why he didn't? Because at heart he's not a murderer. (laughs) Exactly. Not just dads are good guys, people. Uh Yeah. Money launderers too. <laughs> and the end, he has a bit of, I like, I like the little moment um, when he says to Whoopi Goldberg, what does he say? Something like, oh, I wish I could have hung out with you more or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wish we could have more time together or something. Yeah. Coming soon, a ghost TV series. Ghost. Uh, but, yeah, the end, ghost. Uh, <laughs> uh, really yeah, I don't know how I feel about this add. movie. <laughs> only a few things to add here. The, the scene where Patrick Swayze is – having fun tormenting like I, I'm, I'm saying you know Patrick Swayze actually is not that good of a person in this movie uh you can understand why I mean he's dead he's a little bit upset about that but he does kill people as a result of it and let's not forget that uh but the way he's like typing on the keyboard and making chairs go just to freak Cliff out here that's where I really like Patrick Swayze and when he has that aggression when he's picking a fight with him in the apartment where he's actually like poking him and, and punching him and pushing him and stuff like that. There's an aggression in Patrick Swayze that worked really well. And I think that's why I really want to watch point break now after watching this. So if anything, this movie's got me, I want to see good Patrick Swayze because I think there is something there with him. Still nothing with Demi Moore though. <laughs> like a complete lifeless corpse in this movie. Uh, Angel's full throttle. She's attractive in that. She's got long hair. And, Never seen it. I mean, again, I remember liking A Few Good Men, Disclosure, uh, was an Indecent Proposal, forgot she was in the movies, apparently. She's the leading actress. Um, G.I. Jane, you know, saw it at Once Upon a Time. <laughs> um, that was, now her hair is even shorter than that. She's bald in that movie. But I think I'm pretty sure when G.I. Jane came out, like, she became the highest paid actress in Hollywood. But I'm almost 100% sure that. Demi Moore and Julia Roberts both hit that $20 million club at the same time, like around the time of G.I. Jane and maybe it was My Best Friend's Wedding or it was uh, Notting Hill. But they became the first actresses to hit the $20 million club. Demi Moore, $20 million for a movie, okay? And who who has held up better over the years? I'm going to give it to my girl Julia because I love Julia Roberts. And I'm not that big of a Julia Roberts fan, but 100 times better Hundred times better than Demi Moore. Demi Moore is just, just, oh, so boring. Um, and Something bad about, hair. We've not done a Julia Roberts movie, have we? Why have we not? I, lo- I don't know. Why do I love Julia Roberts so much? I feel like I've never talked about that in in life. I mean, but- we wanted to do the Oceans movies once upon a time. There just wasn't room to fit them in. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Um, uh, Notting sh- Hill, great movie. Never seen it, but I'm. I, You've not I'm seen sure Notting Hill, Pretty- Colin Hilding. No, and I, 
And I love Hugh Grant. Jamie and I were just talking about this yesterday. I love Hugh Grant, but I have not seen Notting that Hill. Is, that is a uh, I like if we're doing these wedding. If we're doing those personal choice movies soon, I I, I nominate <laughs> Notting Hill. Oh, not in well, my top fifty, first- but nearly made my top fifty. I love that this movie has actually had us book. 50% of our anniversary month movies next year and <laughs> one of our well, uh, uh, host pick what's, you know, just, movies coming up. To, to interrupt, we're closing the movie, but um, it's actually got a connection to what we're doing in a few, me- few weeks of replacements because uh, Reese Siffins, the lizard man later mm-hmm. on in Spider-Man, uh, I knew him that when I watched the replacements because right? he's uh, Spike in Notting Hill. That was like his breakout yeah. role. Mm-hmm. And you got to see the movie where him and Daniel Craig have a kind of uh, uh, gay erotic Wow. Thriller. Uh, that just made it's me want to watch of, a movie. That is, that is. It's actually, <laughs> it's a really good movie. This is pre James Bond. Daniel Craig plays a guy that Reese Ifins is kind of like obsessed with. And you get the gist that it's a little bit of, you know, he's got an attraction to him, but Daniel Craig is just trying to be, all right, I'm just trying to be nice to this guy, but he's kind of creeping me out. It's just like a weird, twisted obsession movie, but it's actually really good. <laughs> Enduring uh, love. Well, I've just Googled it. I need to see this movie. Yeah. It, and yet it's not it's a it's very much a thriller but yeah great movie um we're covering it next week apparently ranked number <laughs> just... 426 on empire's greatest 500 movies ever made <laughs> wow yeah i thought you were gonna say like greatest 500 you know gay erotic thrillers but uh no that's that's another list <laughs> so I've, I've, I've got that on my phone i love that list that's that, that's the other bookmark you've got right now yeah. in your browser. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, a little other nod here to one of my personal favorites. She's watching Arsenio Hall. Um, I, when I was a kid, during the summer, uh, there was one summer where my mom, um, one of her husbands at the time, <laughs> at the away time. from people. <laughs> he was she she was married like four times Mormon? or something. <laughs> no, not I'm not not one of her husbands at the time. Let me correct. Her <laughs> husband at the time, one of her husbands, who was her husband at the time. Was this that no famous musician that you still she won't made, tell me on air? No. no she never married that one. <laughs> uh her first husband after my dad, but not her last husband after my dad. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Let the woman rest, Colin. <laughs> Yes, she's dead. She's right now, right behind me, ready to throw a penny at me. <laughs> she's talking on your her. computer, murderer, 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 <laughs> Sam, 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 Sam. M-U-R-D-E-R. Where was I even going with that? Oh, yeah. So he was he was away for work for a week or something like that. And she didn't want to sleep by herself. She didn't make us sleep in bed with her. Don't worry. But she slept on the couch and she just said, if you kids can just sleep on the floor and you can stay up as late as you want because she was just kind of scared to be by herself. So I stayed up that whole week watching late night talk shows because I'd never been up that late before. And I would flip through the channels and Arsenio Hall was one of them. I loved Arsenio Hall. And I remember I always used to wait for Friday nights when I got a little bit older, you know, uh, probably like a year later, or maybe even less than that. Uh, when I got my own TV and nobody was around to tell me to go to bed. Anyways, I'd wait for Friday nights where I knew I could stay up late just so I could watch Arsenio Hall. So the fact they're watching Arsenio here and they're arguing over whether they want to watch or not. I'm like, no, you keep it on Arsenio. Arsenio Hall. He's great. He's 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 going to have a month coming soon. All right. We've booked our next six years in one episode here. I was way too young. Like I know who he is and I know everything about it. But um, I was I mean, gosh, I don't even know if we got it, it in Australia. Like, if we did, it would have been yeah, on was, cable. So, yeah. And, and I, I don't even think we got it. It wasn't on a Canadian channel, but 
especially late at night, like when you still had the, the rabbit ears for TV. We're talking pre-digital cable here. Uh, the Stone Age, around the time they showed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in movie theaters, I guess. <laughs> um, they, uh, uh, if you got late at night, your, your reception would be good, and we would pick up channels from North Dakota. And so because it was on late at night, we picked up Arsenio Hall, which I think the show was on, what was it, like, 89 to 95 or something like that whatever yeah. it was but fond memories of staying up late and watching arsenio hall uh in between my mom watching ghost and me tuning out but anyways <laughs> love arsenio uh, but the swayze scenes of the tormentor are great like his fight scene not really much i could say about it and then just i love the way he pushes and punches like i actually really want to cheer for him i wish that this was maybe more of the movie um i don't understand i said it earlier he can beat a guy up but he can't touch his girlfriend's face he can move a penny he can beat a guy up he can ride in a car he can't touch her face the the whole idea behind it i get the idea okay it's sweet he's gonna possess a body just so he could touch her for one last time we're seeing her reaction as if she's looking at him remember she's still looking at Whoopi goldberg she should be like this is weird okay i know you're in there say something sam but this is not about her so so again wrong performance by demi moore that she's playing this like, oh, it's you, Sam. She's looking at Whoopi Goldberg. To her, this would be no different. They're not even saying words to each other. She could still be a con artist for all she knows. But I get why they – I also get why they show – they cut to it being Patrick Swayze because it would produce laughs to see them dancing. Now, this is the, the other scene that I thought was another pottery scene. Up until – I rewatched this a few days ago. I thought they had a pottery scene at the beginning and then there was a callback to it at the end where they did pottery again during the possession. Because I remember there was a scene where he possessed Whoopi Goldberg and they had the dance. I thought it was a montage of scenes. Like they spent an evening together. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) And that they had pottery and that when the bad guy came knocking on the door, that's when they were doing pottery and Whoopi Goldberg suddenly was like, oh, oh, and stumbles out of there. (laughs) What movies are you creating in your head? I kind of want to say that. (laughs) Yeah, can you imagine if this dancing scene, which again, it's such a big moment. They play... Not even the whole song. We're talking two minutes of them dancing. It actually seems more like a music video than it does even a part of the movie. It almost feels out of place. This should have been a montage. Let's have them doing pottery together. <laughs> I'm going to go as far as say let's have them having sex. That would, you know, Whoopi didn't sign up for that. That would be uh, rape. I you know? would have signed up for that. <laughs> but... I remembered that they did pottery together when she was in Whoopi Goldberg's body. Not that it showed it, but that maybe that was like how it broke up. But anyways, the, the final fight here. Yeah, it's there's some good chase stuff. Um, I like this better as the action thriller. So they appeal to both demographics, I guess. I'm not going to criticize it. Um, he murders people again. We've we've touched on it. He He, he kills another man here for the second time. Uh, but what's weird is that bad facial acting on Patrick Swayze's part and bad editing, both. When Cliff gets stabbed by the pane of glass that falls on him, they cut to Patrick Swayze, who stares for approximately three seconds before suddenly looking away, going, oh, as if I can't look. It is If you go back and look at it, it is way too long before he responds. And when he does respond, it looks really silly. <laughs> um, last time I'm going to criticize Patrick Swayze in this episode. Uh, I did write my notes. Is Whoopi still going to jail for this? Because somebody's going to jail and somebody's – these drug dealers are going to want their money. They don't yeah. care that Cliff is dead. They don't care that Patrick Swayze's dead. They know that there's money. Do you think they care that they're dead? They want the money. Who was the last person to have the $4 million? Rita Miller. 
banks. They have security footage. They're going to get that security footage. She is dead. And there's your sequel. Yeah. She's dead in the afterlife with Patrick Swayze, real buddy cop film. Uh, the callback to the ditto thing here, it, completely like you said, like the Princess Leia thing. I even wrote that in my notes too. Uh, but I, I kind of like, like I remember really hating that ditto thing. Like whenever I would hear somebody say the word ditto for years, even though I still don't think I ever watched this all the way through, I would always cringe. I'm like, oh, it's that nauseating line from Ghost. But the way it plays here, I, I, I kind of like it. It's funny, you know, and it is a nice turnaround. But I, I almost wish that he would have that moment because she freaked out on him earlier. Where is it's like, why do you always have to say ditto? Why can't you say I love you? You know? And so if right here where she says ditto, he goes, you know what? That really hurts. <laughs> like that, I don't like the way that sounds. Because then maybe again he realizes what a terrible person is. Or you play it even more and says, huh, yes. Wait, you see what I did there? I didn't freak out and yell at you because I understand it's a fun response and it's playful. You don't need to nag a person just because they don't say I love you. You hear that, Jamie? <laughs> wow. Ditto, okay? Ditto. <laughs> Jesus, you got so into that with Jamie. You hear that, Jamie? Surprised <laughs> you didn't get a what? I'm from Manitoba. <laughs> I'm from Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> um, you done? Is that it? I'm done. Okay, right. Uh, so Ghost was a very successful movie. Uh, <laughs> was it ever? We'll get to that. The critical response, first of all, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, apparently, uh, saying offers viewers a poignant romance while blending elements of comedy, horror, and mystery, all adding up to one of the more enduringly watchable hits of its era. I mean, it's not unwatchable. Uh, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch this anytime soon, but I'm sure if all of a sudden Mallory was like, oh, I want to watch Ghost, I mean, I'd maybe go through about another 12 options beforehand, but then I'd go, okay, well, Ghost (laughs) it is. Um, Maybe more than 12. Probably at least another 117 movies I'd watch before Ghost, but... I'm not going to say no, eventually. <laughs> uh, it's got 52 on Metacritic. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it two and a half stars, uh, saying that uh, the no worse an offender than most ghost movies, than most ghost movies. Is this a, like a genre in the <laughs> 80s and 90s? I mean, Ghostbusters, I guess. <laughs> I suppose it assumes that even after death, we devote most of our attention to unfinished business here on Earth and that danger to a loved one is more important to a This is a long-winded, just did you like it or not, Roger Ebert? Um, Variety said it was an odd creation, at times nearly smothering and arty somberness at others veering into good, wacky fun. That's a good summary of it, I think. Um, Where is this one here? This is a long one, but... uh, Oh, no, this is Roger Ebert. He, he says a lot here, apparently. Um, Very he, Danger. He was also critical of the film's obligatory... Danger. <laughs> action danger. Cl- danger. <laughs> the ridiculous visitation from the demons of hell, the slow study of the Molly character, and the single best scene in which Sam overtakes Otome's body to caress Molly. In strict logic, <laughs> this should involve us seeing Goldberg kissing more, but, of course, the movie compromises and shows us Swayze holding her. Too bad, because the logical version would actually have been more spiritual and moving. Kind of agree with that. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not even just saying I'm, that because I want to see them mac it on. I actually think, okay, yeah. No, I'm not going to agree because it, the audience needs to see him. It's supposed to be about these two characters connecting. 
So to see Whoopi Goldberg, that's all people are going to see. It's like when the other guy jumped in her earlier on. It was a comedy scene. So like I, I know that there's people out there going to be like, oh, we should have seen that. No, we shouldn't have because it would have gone completely against the two characters who are supposed to be connecting in that moment. And you're right, talking about characters connecting <laughs> in ghosts. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Where am I? Um, just uh, the, so nominated for five Oscars, you mentioned that before. Best picture. Uh, so Lisa Weinstein is that someone related to Harvey Weinstein, the producer there? She Did she have, molest people too? Maybe. Uh, she she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. Uh, she doesn't have an, a a page on um, Wikipedia. Oh no, she does. It just is not linked to it. Huh? Oh no, she doesn't. What? What happened? So uh, the Academy Award nominated producer for Ghost does not have her own page on Wikipedia. Yet I did for five minutes at one point. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole radio um, show thing. We created pages for ourselves. And actually, in all fairness, I think my Wikipedia page lasted for about nine months before it was removed. And then it was funny because we added our birthdays to like you found your birthday and there were like historical events on that day and it would say famous birthdays. So we added like Ben Waterworth radio host. I think it stayed on there for a good five years until somebody finally removed it. They're like, who the fuck's Ben Waterworth? But yeah, March 18 on Wikipedia used to have Ben Waterworth, Australian radio host. Uh, I've got a fun fact here. There's a reason why there's no page. Academy Award nominated producer Lisa Weinstein has produced two movies Ghost being the first, and then the television movie Fatal Exposure one year later. No other credits since then. Her only other credit in film period prior to Ghost was assistant to the producer on 1977's Grease Lightning. Oh. Not associated with Grease the movie. Okay. That, yep, sure. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, best picture, best supporting actress, which of course it won. Best screenplay written directly for the screen. That was very uh, different category back in 1990. Uh, it won. Bruce Joel Rubin, Academy Award winner. Good for him. Best film editing. What was it up against? Uh, on, if, if Ghost is winning more than one Oscar, we got to say what it would have been. Hang on, I'll get there. Uh, best film editing, best original score, didn't lose that. Okay, so what are we looking up here? So, um, oh, I found Lisa Weinstein lost to Dancer with Wolves. Whoopi Goldberg won. It beat Alice Avalon, Green Card, and Metropolitan, all iconic all movies that I have seen. Uh, Again, 1990. <laughs> best original score, we said it lost to Dancers with Wolves, and best film editing, it also lost to Dancers with Wolves. So all three categories that lost, it lost to Dancers with Wolves. So, Including sexiest scene with a buffalo, it also lost to Dances with Wolves. <laughs> that one at MTV uh, Best Kiss or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was. Um, yeah, this was a huge box office hit. This was the biggest film of 1990, uh, 505. Well, is it? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking that's worldwide or something because I always thought that Home Alone was like the highest grossing film. Well, according to Box Office Mojo... Uh, it is the biggest of the year, uh, 205. But is that the in-year or the out-of-year, whatever they call it? Uh, I mean, I guess that's in-year, so only calendar grosses. Okay, no, I see what you're saying now. Because, uh, yeah, Home Alone came out like end of year. Uh, in-year releases, uh, you are correct. Home Alone, in-year release, number one. But I only ever seem to look at the other one. Uh, anyway, so the, the, the calendar one, Ghost, was number one. <laughs> um, Pretty Woman, number two. Big year for chick flicks. Uh, Home Alone 3 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number four. $205,334,137 domestically and $505 million globally on a budget of $22 million. Oh. Great 
Great adjusted return. gross. Yeah, let's 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 put this in perspective. Adjusted gross. This would be a billion dollar box office hit to this day. Which like that's how big this movie was. <laughs> would that make it? I mean, I, this isn't a romantic comedy, but I mean, it's like romance film, like biggest grossing mm. romance film of all time, maybe. I mean, Gone with the Wind's got to beat that, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, biggest uh, romantic. Well, biggest like, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, I mean, in terms of like, I mean, Gone with the Wind, Titanic, they're also like a bit of an epic, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, that kind of comes to it. I've just Googled this. The 10 highest grossing romance movies of all time. Thanks, Screen Rant. All right, here we go. Uh, well, okay, we straight away know that this is not going to make the list because number 10 has made $609 million. Mamma Mia, number 10. Oh, come on. Forrest Gump. I mean, okay, I get it. There's romance in it. They're but, I mean, stretching. they're stretching that big Is time. Is Kindergarten Cop on there? Because that's more of a romance than the Forrest Twilight Gump. The Twilight Saga Eclipse, the Twilight uh, Saga New Moon, the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1, the Twilight Saga. Fuck off with your Twilight Sagas. Shrek 2. I like Shrek 2, <laughs> but I don't consider it a romantic movie. Um, Aladdin, the remake. there. <laughs> well, there's, there was a kiss in that. Uh, Beauty and the Beast number two and Titanic number one. Oh, God, stretching screen rant, whatever. Um, plot keywords. I haven't even looked at these yet. I don't know if you've got it's them up. Not, not, not good ones. Is there um, like, pottery? I, I already I already moved off of it. Let me see if I can get back there. Scratch oh, I, I just cat. clicked back in is there pottery? Because I'm sure that there's lots of great pottery films. Well, Scratch by Cat Month would feature Ghost, Mr. Right, Blue Beard, and Dark Eyes. Um, okay. Uh, surely there's got to be a pottery. Yeah, the number one is pottery. Okay. <laughs> Scroll to the top then. <laughs> Titanic. What? When what? Pottery in Titanic? Like, because they oh. find pottery at the bottom of the sea? Um, Come on, does this also have Forrest Gump in there? <laughs> well, The Lost City of Z is number two, Ghost is three, and Mr. Brooks is number four. How is Ghost number three on pottery films? The most famous thing in the entire movie, and it's number three. Um, my goodness. Yeah, no, there's some shit ones here. Mugged. Couple talking in bed month. Okay. <laughs> Woman, undre- Woman undressing month. I'm down. Let's see here. <laughs> Children of Men, John Wick Chapter 2, Gemini Man, and Passengers. Okay. We can, yeah. You know, all right. Reference to Jimmy Hoffa month. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Point break. There you go. Ghost. Patrick Swayze really into the referencing Jimmy Hoffa <laughs> <Yeah>. movies. <laughs> uh, nothing But Trouble and Staten Island Summer. Okay. I love that the... Hoffman biopic or The Irishman is not on the Jimmy Hoffa list. <laughs> <laughs> they don't reference him. They don't say his name at all in the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we doing with this movie? You know, I think I'm pretty sold because as we're going through this, you know, typically we end up disliking it more by the end of talking it through. And I feel like I'm exactly where I was when I came in. I enjoyed enough about this movie that I would rent it, although it is a horribly unbalanced movie with a lot of stuff that doesn't work, especially stuff that doesn't work together. But the good stuff that's in there, particularly in the second half of the movie and everything with Whoopi Goldberg and Train Guy, um, you know, I- I'm sold enough that I would rent this. I'm, I'm kind of like you, though. If it comes up and James like, you want to watch Ghost, I'm going to say, you know, what else do we have first? <laughs> Is there anything with Rene Russo that we could choose from first? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
No, I think I, uh, yeah, I think I, like, I don't dislike this movie so much that I'm like, oh, I hate it, I need to buy it. Like, this isn't Dirty Dancing where I was, like, yelling for the whole episode. And as I said before, like, there's enough in this movie that I probably would rank uh, rewatch it one day. Again, a lot of movies before this, but, you know, there would be something there. Um, so, yeah, I'll I'll rent it too. Why not? Let's be edgy oh. and rent Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> We're progressive. <laughs> we are. Look at us in 2020. Two men renting ghosts. Uh, but, like, I mean, if we are to rank uh, this in Kindergarten Cop, I'm watching Kindergarten Cop first. <laughs> so, and I can tell you, I'm mm-hmm. going to watch the replacements oh, first. So, you know. Yeah. And Airplane first, because that's coming next week. <laughs> well, into that segue. Good work. Uh, I've never seen Airplane, <laughs> so I can't say right now what I would do with it. Uh, I believe it's called Flying High in Australia. We maybe can talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that next week because uh, yeah, it's one of these weird movies that it's called something different in a different part of the world for whatever reason. But um, I mean, look, I- I've seen the famous clips. Like I've seen the, you know, surely we can't do this, blah, 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 and don't call me Shirley or something like that. Like, Shirley, yeah. uh, I've seen bits and bobs. I think my dad was watching this on TV once and I kind of saw a few minutes of it. So, yeah, I- I'm looking. I've always wanted to see it. Uh, I feel this is a movie that we're going to definitely be talking about that, there's a lot of things in it that wouldn't hold up very well in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I like Leslie Nielsen. I I loved Wrongfully Accused. I do remember liking the Naked Gun movies. It's been a while since I've seen them. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this one because out of the, I mean, again, I guess I had technically seen Ghost and it had been a long time since I've seen Kindergarten Cop. So I guess this is the only movie this month that I actually have never seen before. So bring on Airplane. So this is another one of these movies that I probably have never sat down and watched all the way through. I hadn't because uh, I remember this as well as being, oh, this is a mom movie. You know, this is she would watch it and you'd catch a few parts here and there and be like, oh, that's kind of funny. Never really watched the movie. I, I'd heard about it for years. I, I'm a big fan of the Zuckers for the stuff they did later, the stuff that uh, was more in line with my generation. So the, the, the Naked Gun movies, even though I, I think I hadn't seen the Naked Gun movies till they were all pretty much made, but, you know, later films and then the Hot Shots movies that the other Zucker brother did uh, with Charlie Sheen and Lloyd Bridges, who's also an airplane, uh, love those movies. Now, when we had sat down probably back in the fall and said, what should we actually put on the list for next year? And we kind of decided on Airplane. I think it came down to Airplane or Caddyshack, neither of which the movies I'd seen. And you said, well, maybe we'll do Airplane. And we picked that. I saw that it was on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, okay, what did we just get ourselves into? Is this even a movie that we can cover? Uh, is it impossible to cover a movie like this? Because it's just ridiculous joke after ridiculous joke. It's not really like it's a story. So I sat down and watched it about six months ago. And without giving anything away about my opinion of the movie, I was surprised how good the story actually flowed in this movie. For a movie that is not known for anything other than just the comedy, it was ranked as one of the greatest comedies of all time. It has a good story, which is funny because trivia fact, it's based on an old classic movie that was not a comedy. Huh. Um, and it, it got, I think, nominated for adapted screenplay because of that or something. It's kind of in the vein of like uh, Young Frankenstein. They just took the script and put a spin on it. But interested to as, to take the challenge of having to host this episode because I don't know if there's a way to do this and not just be like there's this one liner, there's this one liner. But uh, it's a nice quick movie. It's It's brisk. It's 
flies by and it was just fairly entertaining so we'll, we'll find out more next week i also, see if it holds up six months later i have a feeling that uh we're going to struggle to come up with a one-liner for this movie because it's probably going to be so oh, many so hard i'm actually just looking here who else is in this movie uh jonathan banks it probably doesn't mean anything to you but as a breaking bad and better call soul fan he's a very prominent character in those movies uh, actor i should say so i'll be interested to see a younger jonathan banks in this movie um and Kareem Abdul-Jabir's in it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I guess there's a reason behind that. So <laughs> Peter I, Graves, the original star of Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. I, I knew there. Um, other actors here I don't know. Oh, Otto as himself. Yes. Can't wait to oh, see Otto. Oh, we've been waiting to do Otto month. Yes. Can't wait. Uh, Otto apparently is the uh, blow-up pilot I'm seeing here. So uh, Yeah. Okay. I get the joke. Uh, so that has been Ghost, a uh, movie that has been rented by Ben and Colin. Airplane is next week. We thank you for you tuning in and appreciate you giving us money. I don't think you did, but I just am saying it as a hint. Um, Total Drama Island, is any more of that happening in the next week or so, Colin? Uh, you just heard a new episode a few days ago. Uh, so and I thoroughly few enjoyed away it, then? even though... <laughs> um i i i have not been on the last two episodes so any delays you can direct your anger to rocky uh (laughs) he's taking all hate mail for delays in total drama island but him and jared have churned out a few episodes uh one of which you probably just heard and we'll find out if you're hearing the other one in a few days we actually i will say too first time i've announced this and i haven't even told you about this colin i have a couple of interviews lined up in the next uh, week or so of uh sort of people that are more so connected with shows that we've kind of either finished covering or taking an extended break from covering until Noah stops being James Bond. Um, <laughs> I've basically got a an actress who was, well, we prominently talked her up in Third Watch but uh, has gone on to do a lot more other things. We've got an actress who we talked up a lot who is having literally a two-episode appearance on Nip Tuck and has gone on to do another lot of things but very prominent sort of one-time character in two episodes on Nip Tuck. And another actor who was in Lost who is a very prominent character in Lost for Lost fans at least none Lost fans probably has no idea who he is but uh, yes stay tuned for those hopefully they will be posted in the coming weeks because I don't know if they will happen or not they look like they are so fingers crossed but thanks for tuning in this has been Ghost my name is Ben and have a nice life have a nice death goodbye and my name is Rita Miller Rita Miller that's my name my name is Rita Miller thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time <laughs>